Okay, I'm number six, and this is the New Prisoners podcast slash AM Wake Up. Uh, really interesting show today. We have a simulcast going on, flipcast, whatever we're going to call it. Uh, but uh, I have with me TMP contributors Chris Graves and Lisa Belanger. And I'm also joined by AM Wake Up's Steve, is it Poinkinen? Well, yeah, Poinkinen. Man. Awesome. And uh, Craig Pasta Jardula. What's up, guys and girls? Yes, yes. I use nice the right pronouns you. now. Wait, wait, oh. wait, wait. <laughs> girls, girl, that was plural. I got double D's, but no, so I that's got, what you meant. I got moves. I got uh, moves. So. We were just talking about music, and all I can think of now is Beastie Boys. Girls. <laughs> da, 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 da. All right. But um, I can't tell you what I'm thinking about. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> double D's. Damn. It's a great way to wake up, man. I got I <laughs> I to tell you. I got triple C's. Sorry. Yeah, choking on those things over there. All, All right. right. So, but um, now um, I have a little monologue lined up as usual. So let's have at it. What if we didn't elect a president in 2024? How would that change our country, if not the world? I've lived in a system all my life, involuntarily, I might add, that is forced to select someone every four years that people can put their hopes and hatred into. The presidency is a cult in which everyone believes that their emotional desires are served by it or a symbol of something to oppose in order to satiate those same emotional desires. I keep saying emotional because these dreams that a random person whom you've never met supposedly serves you is a logical fallacy. The bureaucracy behind the presidency is constantly ignored. Cabinet positions, etc. And so is the Supreme Court, another partisan appointment. And that's part of the issue, is that the false dichotomy presented when it comes to problem solving, that we as subjects of this immoral system are thrust into the consequences of having to choose between two bad options at all times or else for democracy. Dio was right. If you listen to fools, the mob rules. And that's how I feel about democracy now after 2020. If mindless Goombas want to elect a leader, they can do so at their own expense. Leave me out of it. The authority recognized by them should not be recognized by anyone that didn't voluntarily delegate those powers to the chosen individual. Anything beyond that is tyranny. People listening... I implore you, stop giving yourself to this monstrosity sold to you as a political solution for your problems. Stop investing yourself emotionally in an entity that barely knows of your existence, let alone your desires, for how the world should run. In fact, stop thinking that because you pull a lever or press a button, that it entitles you to select how the world is run, because it doesn't work that way either. The results of your free and fair elections are imposed by brutal physical force at home and abroad. If you want an executive to sign off on decisions that affect your life, then join a company. Let this monologue be my notice that I'm not participating in the charade any longer. These people have no real authority other than the weapons we bought them to keep us in line. 
As the window closes on our communications, another is closing. And that's the ability to appeal to the emotions of those who chose to serve our corporatist state. That they put aside their mortgage for your freedom. That instead of firing on a crowd of innocent, that they stand down. Because it's not going to be as easy to convince a bunch of drone swarms. Maybe with the way that technology advances, and in just a few short years, we can see that on a billboard for 2028. Instead of DeSantis versus Harris, it'll be two competing drone companies fighting over who gets to rule over their respective organic reserves, i.e. us. Nothing much would change, except maybe a few people, just like now, would recognize that the drones that tell you that they love you and want to take care of you are your captors, not your rulers. They do not lead. They follow orders. And not from you, but from corporations and banks, because that's who owns them. That's who owns this country, and it's been that way since 1788. You could shuffle in any kind of quote-unquote leader these days, and people will accept it. If we can have Reagan, Biden, and maybe Fetterman, well, maybe we can also have a potato. Elect the potato, because the actions of the president are directed by others that you don't elect. Maybe the potato will find the idea of the five eyes offensive and get rid of our secret government. Sounds like wishful thinking, doesn't it? And that's our monologue for this week. Drop a six in the chat if you feel me. But uh, let's go back to the panel here. So um, pleasure to meet everyone. Um, and just for the sake of meeting each other's audiences, again, I'm number six. Um, and I have with me Lisa Blanger and Chris Graves, but uh, Steve and Craig, uh, it's it's a pleasure to share your uh, streaming abilities on your channels and everything this morning. And uh, yeah, this, this is going to be a fun conversation, guys. Um, now with uh, the, Steve, you mentioned you had something set aside for us by uh, one George Carlin. I believe yeah. Chris has heard of him before. I, I, I thought about uh, to meet him about a year before he passed. It was one of the highlights of my life. Oh, heck yeah, man. I would have loved to have met George for forever in a day ago. And I'll tell this before we go into the clip here real quick. I, yeah. um, when I was doing Renaissance festivals, I was kind of a, a, a Kevin Smith universe. You dork there for a little bit. Lo loved the films and stuff was dating a chick who like, dogma was one of her favorite movies all that kind of stuff we uh we made the pilgrimage a couple of times to the secret stash in red bank we got ourselves tickets for a new year's eve poker event um sat you at went, a table you went huh? to one of those yeah sat at a table wow. with jason lee got to bullshit smoke a little bit of weed out behind the back with jason muse for like an hour at a different table, Carlin came in, hung out from like seven to eight, left by eight fifteen. You know, took a couple of people. The table over there was laughing their asses off. The table that we were at was like, <laughs> you know, uh, that's the closest I ever got to seeing or meeting or dead. What you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool, but it was like it, I I would imagine what um, 
remember in the like movies that they go into like the strip club theater, like the thing would come up and they watch Salma the chicks wave for a little bit and then it would come down. Oh. No, just like a uh, boondock saints, right? Oh yeah, the, yeah. The strip club where like the dancer chicks would have the yeah. It was kind of like that, I would imagine, where you're like you're seeing somebody through the glass, but nothing's really there's no real interaction. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one um, of the stash poker things. Yeah, that was uh, 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 Anthony Cumia used to frequent those all the time. Mm-hmm. Frequent all the time. Anyway, yeah, that's awesome. Dude, so much fun. So much fun. Um, but yeah, let me let me pull this up here real quick, and uh, and we can let's see share screen. There we go. Looks beautiful where you're at, Chris. Where are you at? Uh, I'm right near Cape Cod, right here in Massachusetts. Nice, nice. All right. Make sure I've got decent volume on this. Interesting thing about this country is, if, if they, they, we, they, they talk about how we have freedom of choice. Uh-huh. You know, we have freedom of choice. Yeah, uh, very limited. If it's an important thing, limited choice. Uh, two political parties, essentially two. Uh, big media companies, five, mm-hmm. six, max. Yeah. yeah, oil companies down to three now. I think uh-huh. overall three or four. Uh, banks, the big banks, the big brokerage houses, the big accounting firms, all the things that are important reduced in choice. Uh-huh. Newspapers in a city, how many? Used to be three, four. Now it's one or two. They're owned by the same people, and they also own a radio station right. and a TV station. <laughs> but jelly beans, thirty-two yeah. flavors. Yeah. Ice cream, all the things that don't matter. The the unimportant things. A lot of choices. Yeah. And you know what I say? You, you, you're you know what your freedom of choice is in America? Paper or plastic. Yeah. That's it, man. It comes down to paper or plastic, cash or charge, aisle or window, smoking or non-smoking, yeah. Coke or Pepsi. These are your choices. <laughs> Everything else is kind of laid out for you. You get to do what they really want. They do what they want. The yeah. ones who are in this country, they do what they want. Speaking of our choices being usurped or, or, or taken away from us, what do you make of what? And I'm, I'm fascinated to ask you this because all the things that you've been talking about for years. Mm-hmm. Are, I mean, we've come full circle on this stuff. That's why I was so fascinated. And thank you for coming on the program. Sure. But here we are now, you know, 30 years after you were talking about mm-hmm. it, with this huge debate, this huge fight about whether or not our civil liberties are being taken away from yeah. us. What, what's, what, what are your thoughts on? Well, I think if you looked at, at the record of um, laws which have been passed in the last 30 to 40 years, there's a thing called social hysteria. Uh-huh. Social hysteria is whipped up generally by the media. Uh, crime. In Nixon's time, crime was the big social hysteria issue. There's too much crime. They're coddling the courts, they're coddling the criminals. We have tougher laws. So a lot of civil liberties went away in terms of um, the rights of criminals and the rights of the accused and and people going on trial. These these were limited. They were cut down. These rights, which are guaranteed by the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. Uh, Another social hysteria, Drugs. The drug thing happened. Same thing. Uh, big, big flow of drugs. We're going to fight the drugs. We need newer, tougher laws. We need draconian sentences. We need to be able to go into houses. We need to be able to do this. We have reasonable reason. You know, all of these, all of these shortcuts have, have resulted in less liberties because of social hysteria. The media whips up the frenzy. People get all excited. Mm-hmm. The legislature passes it. The president's the executive signs it. And the judges, then the, the judicial branch, okays it sometime later when it gets to them. Mm-hmm. And 
And what has happened is you have less freedom, less liberties, less civil liberties, less rights. And the third social hysteria is terrorism. That, that was whipped up. Now, there's, it's a little, probably a little more cause there. You look at the, the 9-11, it's a very dramatic event. Mm-hmm. But that, too, has been used to, with, to, with this Patriot Act to reduce our liberties. They say, well, if you have nothing to hide, what are you worried about? You know that, that whole argument? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have, tell me about the people that are, you know, just getting out of prison because of the DNA. If they got, had nothing to hide. Uh, it's, it's just, listen, th- this country is, is owned by the ownership class. They do pretty much what they want. I figure it's like a freak show. Here's what I do. You know what I do? To me, if you're born in the world, yeah. you get a ticket to the freak show. They get a ticket to the freak show. If you're born in America, you got a front row seat. So some people, some people are in the freak show. Yeah. We got our freaks. Yeah. Then some people, they uh, want to fix the freaks. Yeah. These are the ACLU lawyers, environmentalists. Well, let's fix the freaks. We're going yeah. to fix them up. Oh, isn't that terrible? Let's do this. And then there are folks who just watch the freak show. Yeah. That's me. And some of us get to write about it or talk about it. Right. And I do that. That's you too. Yeah. And say, so look at you. I, look how badly you're doing. I don't yeah. even I count myself in. Yeah. I say, look how badly you folks are doing. How did you do this to yourself? Why did you let them do because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. I remember that Tavis Smalley uh, interview. Uh, the Tavis Smalley. Yeah. That was awesome, man. He's I, so I, neutral. I have to admit something. Um, I did not have any type of communication with Steve or Pasta or anybody about what I wrote in my monologue this morning. That I, I write these monologues uh, for gentlemen that might not be familiar in the audience. Um, I write these right before we go on. Like I wake up early and I just write whatever comes to mind. And then we go right into the show. And that was pretty much exactly <laughs> what I wanted to express. Who knew? I had no idea that you had a clip of George Carlin basically saying the same damn thing. It's funny how know we run into these same logical conclusions over and over again. Right, gentlemen? Yeah, I don't I don't know if you know this or not, but but I have I have tapped in a little bit to to the ether and can occasionally plug plug shit. Um, no, there, there's some wonderful serendipity. I used to experience radio serendipity. Have you ever done that where the song comes on that you need it to when oh, it yeah. does? And sh- yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's synergy. Lisa's Lisa's phrase. Yeah, that there's All a right. synergy that happens between us and, and, other, and other people out there, too. You know, that it's just there's so many people that we've bumped into and interact with in this world. Um, and it seems to me, too, that uh, and I have a theory behind this. And maybe you gentlemen can entertain me for a second, that there's something that traumatic that has to happen to you for you to awake in a way to come to the these logical conclusions, that there's something that sort of has to break a part of you in order for you to see things from this angle. What do you guys think of that? I would agree as long as we're considering legitimate ego death as part of that trauma, because there are people oh, who yeah. have experienced oh, yeah. that through psychedelics who didn't really experience like a, a truly fucked up upbringing or something like that. You know what I mean? A lot of people walking around that haven't been punched in the face that, that have kind of, uh, you know, gotten over some of their shit via heroic doses or something to that extent so if we're incorporating that uh, i'll agree but there are a lot of people that you know that yeah got anyway no i would i would <clears throat> probably i would agree with that and i would i wish that our friend chris uh chuck ocelli was here because he'd probably back steve up on that 100 percent. 
because mm-hmm. um, he's talked on our shows in the past and his own shows too. So it's not like I'm outing him or anything, but you know, he experienced that uh, type of treatment too, for the traumas from his past. Uh, so he, he took to psychedelics in order to get over the, um, the trauma from his father's suicide and many other things in his past. Chris, you've helped document a lot of the life of our friend Chuck. Um, so, well, no, I'm just, just around, more. I was just around for, uh, he's doing an audio book right now about his life and, uh, he'll read a chapter from it and then, uh, he'll stop and then him and I will like go over what he just read. And a lot of it's, we both have really dark pasts, so, uh, it's, it's a good team up and, uh, hopefully we'll turn it into something, you know, like, uh, some kind of a, a movie or a mini series or something we've been talking about, but yeah. Yeah. A lot about what you just said is uh, right on the money. Yeah. And pasta. What about you, man? Like what, what, what sort of got you into it? Was there a breaking point that sort of got you into this type of media? Well, it's, it's interesting. You know, um, I think what we're kind of referring to uh, maybe is a form of consciousness, right? Like we weren't just caught in this whole, uh, what you talked about in your monologue, the, you know, the presidential elections where people just kind of rinse and repeat, keep going, not stepping out and understanding exactly what's going on. But I mean, it was a presidential cycle that started making me kind of like look into the window a little bit. Uh, 9-11, losing my cousin. Um, oh, I think that was a form of like, you know, just questioning things like why? Why did they do this? Who did this? And then when you look at things on the, you know, on the surface level. Uh, you start talking about religion. You start talking about politics. Then you get into the whole deep part about what really happened because, you know, at one point or another, you understand that most of the things that are thrown at us are just thrown at us or pr- thrusted upon us or are given to the plebs for a form of control. You know, it's they want to control people. Bread and you circuses. Understand yeah. There's a, there's a group of people out there that want to control everybody here for whatever reason. They want to control all the resources. They want to control all the people um so you know i mean this is interesting because that monologue is very much what we're talking about right now what we're going into today you know some of the debates back and forth we've had um over a presidential election that's coming up um i can't you know uh, if i if i wasn't involved with a little bit of uh, that that uh, when it comes around every four years that conversation that discourse about you know what the president uh see means I wouldn't have learned or thought about other things. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, you know, navigating through this field right now, just trying to figure out a way. I mean, I agree so much with what you guys all, what you said in the monologue, what my partner said so many times about, you know, what we're actually facing. It's a, it's a ritual, you know what I'm saying? It's not anything really serious. <clears throat> but during those rituals, there's, there's conversations to be had. There's other people who are making their step towards a form of consciousness. So um, it is intriguing. It is interesting. Uh, I think that right now what I'm searching for is the tactics. What is my part to play? What is my role to play? You know, uh, you can't force anybody to think a certain way or to wake up or listen or have a form of consciousness themselves. But you can do what you think your part is to be part of the, the solution, and have these conversations and listen to people and educate or give your point of view. Um, the way I kind of see myself nowadays and my work, what I'm trying to do is trying to be a bridge of sorts, right? I, I think that our, the hating on our neighbors, right? Blaming our neighbors for everything is at an all-time high. 
And, you know, that's why when I started, you know, doing shows with Steve and some of the people that he knew from the truth community, plugging in with them, which they were considered, oh, there's all right guys or whatever and stuff like that. They were considered canceled. You can't talk to them. You can't speak to them. You can't listen to them. And I said, why not? Let, let's go ahead and do these things. So, I mean, you know, there there is so much to be said. This is an interesting and intriguing conversation uh, about what we should do, how we should do it. You know, me and Steve often disagree about i agree that forming a parallel society is definitely intriguing and a way to go just saying i'm not going to play anymore i'm going to opt out my argument is that there's been societies before that have said i'm going to opt out i'm not going to play anymore then all of a sudden somebody shows up with a machine gun and says you're not going to be able to do this you're going to either be part of the machine or we're going to exterminate you so i think that you know it's 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 you know this is a situation I'm 50 years old. I think I'm going to be learning to the day I die. I'm going to be, you know, ever so much changing to the day I die. Um, but there, even though these are just rituals, these are just you know people staying in the hamster wheel. There are people that during these times, during these presidential races, will have conversations they never have. I know it sucks that they have these conversations only once every four years, but. That's the battlefield we're dealing with. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if this is necessarily a confession over here where I'm trying to say I'm trying to find my place, but I'm just intrigued and trying to find my place. I think that's a better mindset to have in general, you know, with, with learning in life. Like, I think that when people are so definite in their decisions, that's where you get blindsided the worst. Like, when you're so confident, like, you could be out, you could be a long-distance runner, and shout-out to our friends in the chat that are. You know, you could be out for a run, but you step off a curb and that little step off a curb is what tore your Achilles. It wasn't the 20, 40, whatever fucking miles that you did. It was that little step off a curb. It was your confidence in that. And when Steve brought up ego death before, that is so important when it comes to people's understanding. Because when you're running everything that you perceive through a filter, when that has to run through a filter where you have to deny things in order to maintain your own like vision of yourself in your own head. Even in, in your own internal monologue, in your own internal dialogue that you have with yourself, if you have to run things through a bullshit filter that you're allowing bullshit through, I mean, that's why we have one of the best bullshit filters in the world. We have Lisa Belanger on the, the broadcast with us, folks. She's our all-time goalie because no bullshit gets past her. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, after 25 plus years in the court swamps, please. Yes. That, that, that's uh, in the belly of the beast. <laughs> but. I mean, but we have to have that. That that's that's what brings you balance. And I think Steve, I mean, we talked off air about nature um and the way nature teaches you balance because nature doesn't have that filter. Nature's like, I'm just gonna toss this uh mound of snow on you. I'm just gonna let this rock roll onto your house and see what you do about it. I'm gonna rain until your whole place floods. Like there's no there's no bargaining with that. You could be out screaming at the heavens. You could be like, um, what's his face in, in Forrest Gump when he's on the ship? You know, Gary Sinise, uh, uh, Captain Dan, and he's screaming at God on the ship. Captain you can Dan. do that all you want with nature. Nature gives no fucks. <laughs> it doesn't. Like that, that's that should teach you something about like just like the in the nature of these monstrosities. Once you built something so big, once something's so big that you have very little to do, if anything, with it. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever surfed before, but being in the ocean and figuring out how waves can push you and move you around, you could be the most, I was in the best shape of my life out there surfing. I was, I was pitiful. I had no, no energy compared to that of the ocean. 
Like the ocean could have taken me anytime it wanted to. If it wanted to drown me, if it wanted to drag me across the ocean floor or smash my face into a, a coral reef, it had every ability to do so. And I had nothing to say about it. And boy, was that a humbling experience. I think people need to be humbled. And that's the part about, you know, having the tyranny, the, the force of the gun, like you brought up pasta too, is, is that whenever you have people in your face, whenever you have people there that are actually, you know, being part of the tyranny physically, that it becomes so apparent to people, like when you're in the gulag archipelago, you know, it's it now it's time to write, but maybe beforehand you were just writing poetry. You're just hanging out with friends. You didn't really realize what was going on until you're, you're in the system now. And, and, and the system's taking care of you. It's protecting you. <laughs> well, this is, this is all part of that extended adolescence thing where you've got people whose oh, entire lives are, you know, working just enough to sustain the habits that you either really enjoyed or couldn't afford. Yeah, people are infantilized. The, infantilized. So, it, oh, sorry, the, the screen came up, but I was unprepared for that. Freaked me out. Fine, fine. <laughs> back, to the, back to the thing. Yeah, oh. just trying, trying to learn how to yeah. produce with this shit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the you know, and and look, I'm not, I'm not knocking people. I, I encourage everyone, people who've watched the show for a long time, know this to to dump your brain out at the end of the night. And just kind of check out, especially if you do the kind of stuff that we all do, super heavy and really, you know, sometimes that can fuck your whole month up, you yep. know, especially uh, these shootings. Yeah. Oh, this so is dark shit. Yeah. So there's, really dark shit. you know, it becomes necessary to have some sort of, of practice that's meditative and if you're choosing to do that for, you know, an hour or so, a couple hours at the end of the day, whatever, midday, you need a break and you just need to check out for a bit, whatever, that's, you know, that's fine. But the people whose entire adulthood is their extended adolescence is exactly what the people who are driving these agendas need in order to create the kind of apathy and dependence in general that's going to perpetuate the the machine that hates you hates you fucking hates you oh yes yeah and, and in fact wow um, wow you know, in, can i just in, tell in, you please, please. Yeah. wow just the way you articulated i mean that's my joke Bam. Reminds you of the court system doesn't it lisa <laughs> like people PTSD. go into this thing people go into this thing with the utmost amount of faith and it's a childlike faith it's a it's a it's a faith and trust like uh if you're out walking around in, in like a park or something like that right and you see like a young family like young children they could be really friendly and trusting you know i'll, I'll wave hi i'll see you know I'll, I'll see a family passing me and i'll wave hi to them the little boys and little girls they'll come up and give you a hug or sometimes while you stand there talking to the parents like they're really accepting people are like that with the court system they're like geez this terrible thing happened to me like out of the blue you know, somebody rear-ended my car and now I got to take them to court. And like, I expect that, you know, if, if I'm not at fault, that everything should be on my side, right? I, I should have proper representation, that the evidence is going to be presented to to real people, like like judges that, that will really look into this and, and take it to heart. Or, you know, if it goes to a jury or something like that, that the jury will look at all the evidence and be able to see all of it too. I mean, and we found through our research here, uh, folks, uh, those on the show and listening, 
that's not true. <laughs> like that's not true at all. In fact, what people get to see is very manipulated from not just what the court allows and, and, and the judge sees or even interprets or understands, but then how it's portrayed to the public too, to keep up the, the fallacy of a justice system that we have, we have equal justice among people and that we are tried by a jury of our peers. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's insane actually. Once, once you look at it, because it's so arbitrary, right, Lisa? Well, I just want to, um, I, I wanted to chime in to say, thank you six so much. Um, I think was it yesterday for listening in to the court hearing on the, in Massachusetts, the COVID there was a COVID class action uh, based um, in this case was against Mass General for um, people being fired uh, and pertaining to the um, religious and uh, medical, what do you call that? Oh, my brain is not the beginning yeah. post. Yeah, no, no, well, the no, the, the forms, you know, saying, yeah. you, you yes. know, you're really the exemptions. You're, you're like, oh my God, you're not shit. This, this is Friday. See, I'm already on the weekend. So yeah. <laughs> please, right, please forgive me you, for that. You sound like you're coming from Long Island. No, <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> well, I do have relatives from there, but I, I'm, I was a asshole and now, and now I'm an officially a Mainer and they love me. They do. I mean, it's been two years that I've been uh, been up there. Uh, unfortunately, I do have to come back to this hellhole uh, <laughs> uh, until I tie up a few loose ends until I can say bye bye for good. Um, but yeah, that that's my. <laughs> I'm kind of like a mishmash of everything. <laughs> no, folks, we've we've been we've been prompting everybody out there to listen in on trials because we can't broadcast them. It's illegal. And I didn't even know that until I, I got into this stuff to find out that that what that was like, like just uh, tuning into some of the J6 trials that we've listened to, um, tuning into this one the other day about um, Mass General being having a class action lawsuit for they're not going by anything when it comes to legal exemptions other than their own arbitrary decisions. Like the entire defense was we have rigorous standards and rules, guys. That, that, that was like basically the argument. Like we, we talked to these experts, we looked to the CDC and we looked to those around us who were all doing the same thing. And we just denied these people their religious exemptions. That's how they, that's how they decided. And we're supposed to accept that as justice. That it's just, you know, they found in a court today, blah, 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 that uh, these people, they, they looked at their rigorous standards and decided that you don't have rights. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the one that would supposed yeah, but, to have the one would have like, situation. Like, I think that because we have a first amendment in this country that they're going to abide by my right to have religious freedom, yeah. but you don't, <laughs> especially once you're owned by a corporation, once you're working for somebody, it feels, it feels like you become part of their property now. And that's how I, that's how I feel too. Yeah. Like, it's just that, you know, they look at us, they, they get together and when they make these little decisions, um, they just, uh, they they're looking at us as like not just numbers on a sheet, but like we're we're like livestock to them. We're like a livestock trade. Like they would have moo cows That's, and and piggies and everything else. And you know, it's what what you just talked about right there. What Steve talked about about these people hating you. It just makes me remember that whole scene from The Matrix. You want to take the red pill or the blue pill because it's dramatic, man. It, it hurts. It's you go through all this programming, all this teaching or whatever you go. You know, we 
they call it learning as you're growing up. But we understand now it was programming what they want us to think, what us they want to say, how they want us to behave. Um, and then you have this form of consciousness and you see and you realize the people around you who are calling the shots, the people who set up the system, they do hate you. They can't stand you. They want you dead. You know, <clears throat> so I mean, it's traumatic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's hard. And, and I can understand why a lot of people just opt and take that blue pill and just stay the fuck in the machine. It's a lot easier that way. And it can be really hard to kind of deal with when you realize, like, well, what am I dealing with? And those of us who choose to take the red pill and start moving on and eventually get a hold of that black pill, you know, what are our next moves? What do we do? Well, you know, how do we, I mean, it's up to each one individual how they want to exist in society or what type of, you know, impact they want to make or no impact at all. Rather, you know, I don't get mad at somebody, people who opt out and say, you know what? Fuck this, I ain't playing no more. You know, I'm not doing, I'm going to go off. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to be peaceful in my own life and not deal with anything because you know why? Number one, it's way too hard to wake up the sheep. There's so much in fucking line. They don't want to listen. You know what I'm saying? They want to blame other sheep for their problem. And it's, it's hard to do so. And what responsibility is of, is it of mine? Yes. wake them up that's exactly. another question yep. you know when i started the convo couch i didn't start it because i wanted to become a you know a independent media journalist freaking personality or commentator or you know do this for a living I, i'm thankful that i'm i'm on the border of being able to do it for a living but you know once again with the suppression the demonetizations they're making it hard they don't want us to do this stuff they don't oh. want us to have these conversations oh, i felt what you were that. saying on the show yesterday yeah. brother yeah about this about the yeah. way that they treat us and steve too like the way the way that we're treated on these quote-unquote alternative platforms or the way that they look just as alternative media in general like yeah. when you when you brought up the the ego death steve the e the egos in this sphere the, the people that just go out and they just they're they they base that they base their opinions and their shows and their shit off of a couple things they they do outrage because outrage you could just rhetorically respond to outrage in whatever type of shape or form that you want to it requires no homework it requires no base of knowledge whatsoever you can just go on and get, can you believe they did this shit today those damn democrats you should hate them and on the opposite end of the spectrum too all they do is is that they come on and say well, the people next to you, they want the trans kids to die, you know, and that, that way, when you get when you see each other and you're both red and blue T-shirts at the grocery store, shit's supposed to pop off like it's the bloods and the crips again. And yeah. also it's from the same fucking people that made the bloods and the crips what they were. Yep. Isn't that funny? <laughs> well, and if you get to if you get the opportunity to be that person that that's in, you know, like right there where the aisle starts to to meet the little like main walkway by the checkout and you're watching yeah. this shit like you you could chuckle at it you can it's it look i said that it i've said this uh especially when it came down to like antifa proud boys and all that stuff we're like look man if you gotta put on a uniform you, if you're putting on a special costume before you go out to fight somebody else and the reason that you know you're fighting them is because they're wearing an outfit that they put on before they left the house or costume then you're the entertainment and everybody else is watching and then you sport. find out that the guy that was giving everyone their costumes <laughs> was the same person or the same guy or whatever same group yeah yeah, both same, yeah yeah it's by design 
I mean, what they want. It, so what yeah. when they when they charged their FBI snitch Enrique Tario with sedition. <laughs> Like, it's just one of those things where, do you guys see how fucking disposable you are? Do you see how little these people care about you? The, oh, hey, look, we'll make your life minimally easier if you just, you know, feed us information every once in a while. Don't worry. We're not going to exploit this in any way, shape, or form down the road. Yeah. Oh, you're a regular snitch? Hey, there's this group that uh we think uh we think might like a guy with your background yeah it's like the key is kidnapping too same thing yeah oh yeah all the uh, they were all feds see see steve that's why that right now like just recently i think an fbi uh cia agent kind of you know came into my life just recently and i think he's like just too it was too it was like I'm like, all right, buddy, the way you're talking, this is you're full of shit. You know, exactly you're on the wrong dating app, bro. And I'm like, <laughs> don't think I'm going to give in for that easy. I'm holding out for something good, Steve. And they're not going to make my life just a little bit better. If the CIA wants me, they're going to make my life a lot of it better. So I'm being very stingy with them. So thank you for pointing that out. Did I have a friend tell me about the uh, the the woman that I'm I'm seeing? I was like, dude, if she's a honey trap, just take that shit. Just take it, take fall for it, <laughs> go have the best time. <laughs> just yeah, do yeah. that. Shit. And, and I still don't think so. I still don't think so. Um. <laughs> hey, on the Fed dime, live it up, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you got to make sure that you have a great performance, though, because if she's wearing a wire anywhere, like, you know, you can't just have like 30 seconds of audio plus an apology, right? Russia's <laughs> got to be embedded at this point, man. I checked. I did. I promise you. Well, think about how well, big of careful. Now, right? How many people do they have out there? And and they got to get to them while we're here. And we get any little bit bigger, then they then they run into the danger zone. It's like, ah, that's a runaway train. Now we can't even kill this dude. We'll make him a martyr. Martyr. So it's like, martyr. Yeah. Get to them now while they're just, just getting a little attention. And they got a, a huge budget, a bunch of people. And most of those people, they believe in the marketing. They want to play CIA spy, spy yeah. versus spy. So they, or they'll, they buy or they'll groom them. Really they'll do. groom them to be the controlled opposition down the line. Like, oh, here's the new guy on the scene. And, you know. Well, speaking of the persecution angle, I think that's a great segue into the first of this week's Big Four because we, um, we we're probably all familiar with um, how the persecution angle has been played by one Donald Trump over the past several years. And it's an effective one uh, because when you have a pretty obvious fuckery, like for even people like us who, who maybe wouldn't ever err on the side of one Donald Trump, that would never grant him a shred of dignity whatsoever, is that when you see something that's an obvious fucking setup, when you see something that's an obvious op, like Russiagate was a huge mind-blowing experience for me whenever it came to like realization of how news works and how you know people really feel about things. Because my friends generally, especially in uh, indie music and stuff like that, there are all these leftists, anti-war, like we're, you know, we're, we're for peace and we love everybody. But no, like you're, you're helping the State Department execute a proxy war from in, in the Ukraine for uh, against russia and like uh, and as i tried to explain this to people from the research that i had done at the time and listening to folks like even like glenn beck did an excellent job on this uh, by way of help with uh of jason buttrell his researcher um they put together an excellent rundown about how the state department was 
fucking with Ukraine on purpose. Um, and it's pretty obvious too, uh, because it's part of the control of the energy market, i.e. slash the digital dollar that's coming our way. Um, so because that's all intertwined, if you if you follow the money back, you know, to how that works. But just like when you have an obvious setup though, to me, it was just like I figured out that the CIA, our intelligence agencies, the five eyes and whoever the fuck else that we mess with out there is that they're essentially the henchmen for industry. If you look into their history with banana republics and, and, and stuff like that in the in, in the South America and what we've done to other countries in Africa and what we've done throughout Asia and, and, and Eastern Europe, you can see that essentially these people are there destabilizing de, de de other nations like you know and, and putting in even slave trades in, in places like Libya that they do this with no repercussion they do it with no governance they do it with no delegation by us we never elected them to do this folks but when they turn it around and put it inside of our country right it's even worse like from the smith month act of 2012 on if you wanted to look at the slide of our country ideologically into these factions, into the ever fragmenting genders <laughs> uh, and everything else, it all stems back from them having control over our propaganda and what we see on television. So with that in mind, this is from the National Pulse. This is anal. Yes, I said it. Porn and Trump and Brad Pitt fantasies. E. Jean Carroll's Facebook history is truly bizarre. Now. I don't want to go through too much of the Facebook posts here. That's not why I pulled this article, folks. I'm scrolling down here to a section, if I can find it rather. Yeah, there's some really interesting things in here. But um, it says, according to the Washington Examiner writer, Byron York, Carol's suit against Trump began at the home of Never Trump blogger Molly Jong Fast. A Never Trump blogger. That sounds like a crazy creation right i wonder who what um uh, think tank came up with that now it says the party was in honor of yet another resistance figure again these movements that it created on twitter and other places uh that we're streaming on right now so please tune in now it says the comedian kathy griffin among those in attendance was still another resistant figure <laughs> so people in entertainment graves you don't say um the lawyer george conway hmm, that's a familiar name the gathering was, in the words of a New York Times account, resistance Twitter come to life. Oh, IRL. Love it. Conway was someone important to Carol to meet. A high-powered lawyer back in the 1990s, he had been part of the so-called elves. Fucking elves, folks. That's what we're up against. We're up against elves. A group of lawyers who secretly helped Paula Jones sue President Bill Clinton. You mean they helped both sides? Why did they do that? Hmm. for sexual harassment. By 2019, Conway was in a far different position. His wife, Kellyanne Conway, oh, that's why that name's familiar, uh, ran Trump's campaign. So it's all an incestuous relationship there in D.C., you don't say, and went to the White House as top advisor. Now, for his part, George Conway was originally interested in a big job in the Trump Justice Department. Later, when that did not happen, salty much, he became virulently it's a little early thank you grace uh anti-trump so much that he would be invited to a party for griffin at john fast's apartment at that party conway became an elf all over again well isn't this like some jrr token shit <laughs> isn't it amazing that we have the future of our country um our presidential election 
being fucked with by an op that's run by elves. <laughs> Is this George Conway, the Dorfong golf guy? <laughs> Tim, Tim Conway. Tim Conway. Conway. Okay. Yeah. Tim Conway, by the way, one of the funniest human beings on the planet. Oh, sorry. It, yes. If you haven't, go watch the elephant story with on the Carol Burnett show. Yeah, Tim I love Conway. Carol Burnett. He was in the Apple Dumpling Gang with, yes, with Don Knotts. With Don Knotts. Yeah. Heck yeah. Now, back to the people in the grocery line. Like, Pasta, if you stop somebody in the grocery line and ask them, are there elves planning on interfering with the 2024 election? Like, how do you think they'd respond? <laughs> they'd probably say no. <laughs> I mean, I got, we've been I told for decades you. that there are no secret societies, that there are no like secret groups that are that are do- making decisions behind behind the scenes that we're all crazy conspiracy theorists. There's fucking elves, folks. Dude, well, if, I, I think you, that if you don't have okay. somebody turn around, snap on you and go, uh, are we talking about the interdimensional clockwork elves? Are we talking about the DMT uh, the ones? Elves? It's are important to make those distinctions. Which elves are we talking about here? You're in the wrong grocery store. Well, right. we don't want to defame any elves. I just want to put it out there because defamation it must be really, really yeah. easy to find somebody guilty of, folks. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I, I will go ahead and disparage a couple of elves real quick. Oh, no. Anthony Fauci, the, that, <laughs> yes. that particular yes, murder elf. Jeff Sessions, in case anyone forgot about that guy, the, the ridiculous, twisted, you Fucking know. Fucking elves. Uh, yeah, he uh, could go Keebler recuse elf. himself, can he? <laughs> Jeff you know, I think that. I, go ahead, Lisa. Well, I think they um, changed the name because back in the day, I know I'm kind of old here, but uh, if you remember the Wizard of Oz, they used to call them the Flying Monkeys. Oh, shit. That's, an, that's an offshoot of the elves here. Yeah. yeah. I think that Six also kind of answering the question you talked about, if I asked somebody in the uh, grocery line about are there elves fucking around, doing things, making decisions, they'd say no, right? But a lot of people will kind of when you talk about secret societies or people who run things, I think there's a lot of people who feel that there is a small handful of people who are running things, but they're okay with it. It's like what George uh, Carlin talked about in that monologue in the very beginning. It's like, you know, well, you know, you can spy on me because I'm not doing anything bad anyways. Right. Like they're just going to still be concentrated on what's in front of them, what's going on with their lives. And there are people out there who are like, yeah, I don't know the actual details, but I believe there's some secret society or some people who are pulling the strings of all the government out there. There's like a table where they sit there, Dr. Evil style. You know what I'm saying? Hey, the and about the blue pill, man. Uh, the, yeah. the truth is demoralizing, is it Sex. not? Sex, yeah. you forget. You forget. I filed in 2015 a federal uh, lawsuit that showed a racketeering suit, okay, against showing that the uh, Massachusetts probate and family court system in its entirety is, is, is a, it's RICO, it's racketeering, it, uh, okay, money laundering, okay? And in, in that 492-page complaint, which had about 393 uh, main exhibits, and we won't go into the subparts and so forth, of the actual court documents, okay, there's actually a society called the American Inns of Court. Okay, that's was established in 1989. What was the second word? The American what of court? Inns. Inns. I n n s. I n n s. Inns right. of court. 
Yes. And it was formulated, it was formally established, this particular organization in 1989 by, uh, what was his name? Uh, Chief Warren Berger there. Okay. Burger Meister Meister Burger. <laughs> I know they got a lot of burgers there. They're trying freaking mad cow disease. So <clears throat> the interesting thing is, see, I became an, a practicing attorney in uh, 1996. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, not to date me, but anyways, um, funny. But after years and years of practicing, you know, I didn't find out about this particular uh, organization. I, it, it, you have to realize it's not open to every member of the bar, right? It, you have to be asked to join. I didn't find out about this organization until um, I was forced into the probate and family court where my father, who was also a lawyer, okay, which... <clears throat> Sorry, I don't want to do, do me the whole thing here. No, no. But but when I was thrown into the when I was thrown into the probate and family court system, I had no knowledge. I had already been practicing 15 years. Okay. And I I had no clue that this organization existed. So when I'm thrown in, into this position. Were there elves involved, Lisa? Just tell us that. I don't think so, but this is like some eyes wide shut type of shit, right? right. <laughs> it's just like right. only with law, you know, just judges and robes and whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, secret is... societies, uh, real secret groups, that type of thing, right? Dude, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked to hear that. Are you gentlemen shocked to hear anything like that whenever it comes to our justice system that there's not secret really societies yeah. at play there? My big elf, I'm sorry, is about six something. Um, Says to me every two hours since 22 years ago, uh, I'm hungry. I breastfed the kid for over 14 months. Can you imagine? And now he's 22 and he's still saying, Ma, I'm hungry every two hours. This is ridiculous. Where's George Carlin? Okay, sorry about that. That's what happens when you when you're packing up and you don't want you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss this uh, wonderful broadcast did you, because... Did you ever meet any elves, Lisa? Just let us know that. Yeah, I got big elves. I'm having to get in the car with them. So anyway... Oh, man. Much love to the family, uh, Did you hear that? Did you see? For everybody who thinks that I wear the pants of this family... Here, it's recorded. It's recorded that no, my there. husband wears the pants of the family. But anyways, so anyways, uh, don't let me gone. derail this. What <laughs> I want is to talk, and we'll do a show on another time, but there does yeah. exist an American yeah. Inns of Court. American Inns of Court. Graves, do you want to do a seek and destroy on that? No, you got my you got my criminal complaint. You, I mean, oh, yeah. that I filed oh, yeah. the civil action, okay? Yeah. So yeah, we'll, we will we'll do that. Episode. Wow. Oh yeah. Thank you, Lisa. Um, one thing just to wrap up this uh, part of the big four too, I'm going to go back to uh, the screen share so everybody can see it. I think that button does it. Yeah, it does. Um, just one last paragraph here from this article guys, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, it says, as the guests enjoyed themselves, the catering was by Momofoku. Oh, lovely. And was said to be excellent. Conway, that's George Conway, uh, persuaded Carol. That's E. Jean Carroll, the Trump accuser here that she should sue Trump for defamation. 
The idea was that when Trump denied having met her and then said she was making up the rape accusation to sell a book, and then she, Carol, was not his type, that was all defamation. So if I say that E. Jean Carol is not my lover, is that defamation? Uh, because that's the title of this episode. But it also it says uh, Carol could sue Trump for that. And then, of course, the case would focus on whether the alleged rape actually occurred. So it would be like having a rape trial for Trump, even though the statute of limitations was long past. What a wonderful, wonderful playbook uh, these folks are working with, right? I mean, they have these little secret society meetings. They're catered. And then they come up with these plans. Five million dollars, guys. Guys, five million. What would that do for the budget of AM Wake Up? Like if some if like if you were donated five million dollars into the budget of AM Wake Up, what would you all do with it? I mean, I got thoughts. We'd be <laughs> we'd still be in the same room for sure. <laughs> and oh, it yeah. in a studio. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We'd probably have a lot more things to yeah, without you you know what we would do. It would just be like, you know. A fourth of that would be ridiculous for us. So it's I mean, unimaginable. it's just, it's it is nuts, and I would it is a shame where a lot of money is spent where it goes. But what really is money, anyways, right? So what do you say, Steve? We'd finally have that shipping container half full of EMP guns and half full of flamethrowers. Yes, <laughs> like, like they dropped off sizes. the of the weapons from Doom. <laughs> like just, you know how sizes of three D <laughs> printers and freaking <laughs> like contracts with people to bring the the uh, plastic that doesn't get recycled oh, that yeah. can be turned into three D printer filament. Oh, bro! Like we're dude, we're yeah we're we you know doing have, like a room we full doing of, like. Things. They have a room full like a deer head or a bear or stuff or something they shot. And Steve would have the the robot dog room of like all the all the robot dogs he'd EMP. Like, this is there. like I got that one there in New York City on 49. Like that motherfucker right there. <laughs> and like the one big boar, you know, or something like that. And then you can put like a little AM wake up hat on the boar and then <laughs> yes. occasionally swap it out. It's just saying a hat, stuff like that. You keep it festive. You know, I don't want to scare the kids or anything like a giant dead animal head looming over them on the wall. <laughs> See, that would be fantastic. I'm, I, I like that you guys have dreams, and that's the thing. You guys have aspirations. I have goals. You know? I have goals. goals. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I'm important. bad with plans, decent with goals. I got well, fucking dreams. I got pipe yeah. dreams. Yeah, well, <laughs> the the thing is though, like, would five million dollars even protect you these days in media? Like, because oh. that's the thing. Like, five million dollars—that's like a what a sixteenth of a Alex Jones civil suit. So, um, no, not even. Yeah, it doesn't even. Yeah, pro yeah it doesn't protect it's you quite. all that much. Like, that's so. That's the insanity about this. Like, when you guys talked about independent media and DIY attitude, like, you know, coming from like the hardcore punk metal metalcore type of genre. Like my whole background coming up as a kid going to these shows and the whole vibe of it was, is that fuck it. The industry isn't going to do this for us. We have to do it ourselves. And like our industry is not serving us at all. <laughs> not, e not even in our own little sphere. Uh, does it serve us all that grace? Um, <laughs> does it serve us all that well at times? You know, we, 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 we're, we're struggling to produce this stuff and, and do our best when it comes to research, presenting material and 
pre presenting the best type of analysis because that's why people come to us they don't just come to us for me to read fucking articles like they want to yeah. understand this shit at a deeper level yeah. and that anyone at, at first that wants to understand things at a deeper level you're, you're sort of you're peeling away the layer of the onion but the onion's getting smaller right <laughs> there, there's less people out there that are willing to go that deep and then there's only willing there's so many people willing to go as deep as we go but well, pasta, uh pasta, maybe what, a porn joke what yeah you go balls deep folks balls um, deep folks pasta what what forgive me for not knowing off offhand and i probably came across it before but what was the impetus that, or the impetus what 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 brought you to where you are like to want to start your uh, podcast and then teaming up with Steve? A sense of responsibility, a sense of responsibility is why I started the convo couch with Fiorella. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We saw media for what it was. Um, and we thought that, you know, and, and there's so many different types of, you know, Oh my God, you start something for some reason, but then when you find out the reason you started something, you find that that whole thing's a lie and it moves you somewhere else. And then, right. You find out that that thing's whole oh, is a fucking lie and you move somewhere else. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you know, uh, I started because I felt I had a sense of responsibility um, at the time. It was like we want to educate our friends at the time who are, are you know, hard, hardcore Bernie Sanders leftist people. Yeah. A lot of those people walked out of that movement just as we did. They're like, all right, we're not playing anymore. This is crazy. But we wanted to teach them about foreign policy. and We, we wanted to provide a platform for those who were running as grassroots candidates who didn't get a chance to, you know, get on TV or break into the news. And we thought we could provide that vessel for them. You know, at the very least, they'll have you get some practice getting interviews and whatnot. But then it just evolved into something else, you know. And every single day, you know, with, with Steve, it was like, OK, these are people with different thoughts, different beliefs. I mean, there's a lot of things we do agree on. Um, I can't tell you, like, you know, how much I've changed having this relationship with Steve, how much it's expanded my thinking and what I believe now and what I see. But, you know, the reason I continue to do it is that I want to show or exhibit that human connection between each other, you know, and, and, and if we can show that, you know, we, we can see that we are not the enemy. We can think differently. We can think outside the box. We can understand that we're being manipulated and we can learn we how should, to love each other should, more. We should know. disagree too. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that people don't remember. Like, disagreements like we, we're not, we're not supposed normal. to agree on everything well pasta what you said the magical part though is being able to show people like the format yeah. that we have and, and the, the advantage that i think mm. that we have in diy media right now is is that with this <clears> video <throat> format with <clears throat> just the ability to stream on each other's channels right now how awesome is that yeah. um shout out to everybody in our chat over at rumble um, I want to give a shout out to our good friend, Tom Cooper, who I see in the chat, who does an amazing show with our friend, Chris Graves here called uh, conspiring with Mr. Cooper. Um, they just started live streaming um, on our rumble channel this past week. And we've had an amazing response uh, to that. So we're looking to grow that audience. But when it comes down to it though, like our ability pasta to show and demonstrate to people, that's what settles arguments, you know, yeah. for logical people. Like if you're having stupid emotional and semantic arguments, yeah. showing somebody the truth, you're not going to get anywhere with that. But if people come into arguments with good faith and you're able to pull up on the screen, like, no, here's the evidence. And that's why I love having people like Graves on the show, because Graves can show me like 12 different links in a second about a shooting that I talk about or something that I brought up that maybe I'm incorrect about. And I allow him to correct me because he can demonstrate to me where I went wrong. Like that's, that's an incredible thing to be able to do. You can't do that on talk radio. You can't do that in 30 seconds of cable television in between Pfizer fucking commercials. Like you, you can only yeah. do that on channels like ours. 
And I love the fuck YouTube shirt, by the way, Steve. I just I know where'd you get that from? Well, that came out of I like that. Shout out to Chris at the Rained Out Rantcast. Uh, right before I left for for uh California last week, or as I was leaving, these showed up, so I just got a chance to get them. I gotta make sure uh, I, I talk to the big frog people and reciprocate but yeah he sent me we had the, the fuck censorship movement at one point too you know? uh and then yeah. he sent me uh this one too Psyop. Yes. That is awesome. hey, you guys didn't ask chris right. about the challenger thing at the at the end i the didn't game. see oh, the comment until after yeah, no i was wondering like, what he was going to say about that i hope the, the well, thing okay so a couple of things i mean he'll be back we can right. do a whole show on the whole challenge. <laughs> yeah. If I bring a couple other people, that it could be fun. Right. Um, but but yeah, no. I, yeah. I, 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 I want to point out something really quickly, though, too, as well, because we were talking about showing people. You know, Steve is an anarchist, right? And um, talks about it being a relationship. What I got out of that whole learning experience and understanding what's going on is, first of all, having the courage to step out and say, yeah, we don't need people telling us what to do we don't need rulers you know we can have rules but no rulers and stuff like that but it's acceptance right it's the belief that this is what we're talking about people should have disagreements they should have discourse and it's okay but it's acceptance saying that you have these beliefs i have these beliefs we can still coexist in a world you know where we can be who we want to be and do who we want to do without anybody telling us what what is right or what is wrong and that's what i've gotten out of this you know, whole experience. And that's where I'm at. It's, it's a form of a, a acceptance. Um, when I was grabbed the other day and coming back from Cuba and, you know, the border patrol agents and the one plainclothes guy, who I suspect the CIA. How you doing, Kyle? Nice guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hi, Kyle. <laughs> you know, um, I, I believe that those guys, they honestly do like, you know, they believe in the marketing. They believe of what's going on, you know, and they asked me what I was doing. But, you know, uh, it, I believe that this is a form of, of, of acceptance and understanding and being able to talk with one another and, you know, coexisting outside these other rulers. But, I mean, I still do believe that they're not going to go away until we get them to go away. I, I'm still a firm belief that, you know, um, we can't walk away from them because if we will, they'll just walk behind us or send one of their minions after us. Or a Waco um, situation. Yeah. Well, Possum, when you talk about that police, uh, uh, th- that police vibe of just them believing the the bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, understanding that there's a certain part of that population, I I believe that would you know buy into the bullshit. However, aren't they just doing a job? And like uh, S- Steve, like w- with being an anarchist, I think that you understand the many realities that exist and respect them. And that's why that you allow the space between people that should exist in anarchy, right? Because mm. it, you have people that are authoritarian like that in nature and in solutions. Maybe not. that's not your thing, but just don't fucking impose that on me, right? <laughs> I just quickly, I would like to say that by the time we get to, to this morning's benediction, and you start to hear what they're talking about. You're, you're just little robot dog heads going to go. Poof. Yes. Yes, it, it is. Um, yeah. The, I, I do believe that anarchy is not, there's not a, a state of it. It's not that people use the word anarchism, but it's not really an ism. It's a relationship. And that relationship is, I don't speak for you and you don't speak for me. And neither of us at any point are going to leverage violence over the other. 
in order to make our argument. We need to do that. We disagree. We got plenty of other places we can go. We have to, you know, work on a fucking job. I can't tell you how many job sites I've been on where there were like real pieces of shit. Oh, yeah. You know, Uh, and you got to find a way to work with that, dude, for at least 40, 45 hours a week. Yeah, because you can't morally correct everything. Like, what if you were that guy? What if you're Buzz Killington? You know, all the time. You just have to be this moralist where you run around and tell everybody what to think and feel and how to fucking act all the time. And then you're an even bigger piece of shit if you do it by force, right? Like, there's one thing to teach somebody how to swim, and there's another one with, like, purposely drowning them to teach them that water is 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 harmful. <laughs> you know? There, there's there's a whole different type of approach to doing something. And shout out to our friend Gar Goldsmith, who I see in the Rumble chat. He's also, he calls himself a Christian anarchist because you know in fairness to him i mean i guess if you're going to live by any rules goes you got to have your own set of rules you have to have your own truth it's not it's not any rules goes that's the other common misconception about anarchy is that it's not no rules it's just no rulers yes Uh, and that's the fundamental difference that the people seem to slide right past along the way it there and there's a uh really you know established well thought out school of thought uh uh, in the christian anarchists and and i think at one point even chris hedges considered himself one um wow but there's people uh that uh uh c.s lewis in a lot of you know has uh, a lot of a lot of uh personal writings that have underpinnings of that Christian anarchist tradition of thought. It, uh, so, yeah, I mean, just rad. I, my, <laughs> really, by, my whole thing is that you can, you can point at the vast majority of the problems that are surrounding everyone right now. And the root of them is that public-private partnership that is in between people being able to conduct their lives with you know, a relative amount of independence and a relative amount of personal security to the point to where you don't have to rely on, you know, some other entity is that I, I understand that people always make the argument, well, you can't just go out and buy some land and start a blah, blah, blah. I get that. But without an HOA, every large apartment complex exists in a state of relative anarchy. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever lived in a freaking, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you, you get along with your neighbors because they're your neighbors and you kind of have to. And yeah, there's that one, you know, fucking loud ass lady in 3B that always screams at her yappy dog all day. You know, there's the drug dealers downstairs. And as long as they keep their shit straight and don't bring anything on you, I guess it's all right, man. Whatever it is, better to have them get fuck around down there. The likelihood of the bullets actually going through the ceiling are pretty limited. You you know yeah. the thing too with 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 what this is what I've gotten from this whole situation. You know, and I've disagreed with Steve before when he says, "Well, we'll just go off start a parallel society." And obviously, I felt somebody will come with you. But but if you adapt the mindset, you definitely reach happy mediums. You start growing your own food. You start doing your own things. You you don't you don't have a the the plug isn't completely pulled out of the machine. But now it's only drawing half the energy it drew before. You're not completely dependent on the state. And that starts the process of thinking. And if we all start doing that collectively, and we don't have to get everybody on board. You know, I always say this 
I have this new saying that I say, like, I ain't trying to start a revolution. I'm just trying to get everybody on the same page. And when I say that, it's just to recognize that you do have rulers and they do hate you and that your, your, your neighbor isn't the enemy. And if we can start grasping that concept, maybe enough of us will come together to where one day we can get power and get these psychopaths off our back. I mean, it's just a dream. That's when people have a dream. I have a dream. You know, it's it's to get rid of these fucking oligarchs one day and that we can live peacefully amongst each other. But then you have the argument of, you know, well, human beings are kind of like always going to be at each other's throats and we're still fucking human beings and we'll find a way to fuck it up somehow. But well, you know, I don't as know. As a child of the 80s, it was shocking to me to watch um, Adam Curtis's hypernormalization. Uh, I would highly recommend that to our audience. If you've never seen Adam Curtis's hypernormalization, you should definitely watch it. It's a long bitch. It's it's like three and a half hours long. So maybe watch it in chunks. But um, what he talks about there is that the last real big uh, idea that we have to look at that failed was the Soviet Union. Like if you want to compare something in the world to us as the United States and what happened to it, it, what our history shows is after the Soviet Union fell, after the big tyranny went down, it created an oligarchy because all the people were given out a stipend of money, but they had no goods to purchase with it. So all the people with the resources, all the people that held the real wealth, they were able to gobble up all that money and they became the oligarchs. So when you topple something like the U.S. system, we could easily roll ourselves quite easily into a, a new type of oligarchy where we're just owned by corporations or whomever or a bunch of billionaires. absolutely 100 percent, and that's the counter narrative right now from the theoverse and from a lot of the people that are advocating uh national divorce via tesla ownership yeah or, <laughs> exactly the internet of things is going to be our new constitution folks <laughs> yeah it'll be a terms of service agreement yeah yeah uh, and then off you go uh, <laughs> but i mean I'm, I'm not even kidding i'm not even kidding i have i i've never never ever 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 once suggested that that what i that what i think should happen or what I think could happen is going to be right for everyone. In fact, I'm pretty sure that it's not what I'm mostly advocating for is our ability to make our own decisions without an authoritarian boot of any particular design on our fucking necks. The, the, at the end of the day, that's it. A more complete picture of how the world works and our ability to, to make these decisions for ourselves. And if people want to be led, they can go be led. You know what I mean? It that what whatever. Dude. If you really need someone to tell you how to think and what to do and all that shit, I I okay. You oh, know, Bob Dylan said everybody's got to serve somebody. You know, right? like if people want to go and find their own way, their own church. That I mean, if somebody has a different uh, growing operation going on, like a shout out to our friend Tiger. Like if somebody figures out how to grow a better strain, I'm all ears. <laughs> you know, there's just something about you know having that diversity in thought though. Like if if you look at what the American experiment did right, you know the four they they've called it the four hundred year leap, that somehow between like the the Enlightenment and our founding, that we had like this gigantic industrial and technological advancement in the world, and that's always like the blanket that the capitalists you know try and throw over themselves is like oh look at all the good that we've done, look at the convenience in your life, well getting people to go back to records might have some appeal to audiophiles like us right. But there's only so much of the population that's going to put up with the inconveniences of dealing with vinyl. 
you know, now that things are digital and intangible, like there, there's a different world out there where you're only going to appeal to so much of the population. So if you, if you end up being the minority then, and the majority has rule in your culture, then what that does is, is that does that point out the fallacy that the majority rules like this, that the majority is right. Like if the majority finds that they want shitty sounding MP3s versus like high grain vinyl, then are, they're not correct, but they get, they get to decide what goes in the next four years and what, what works in industry and how that's supplied to the rest of us. That's why fragmenting it and breaking it down into smaller parallel economies, not just two, but many, like people think too much in that bipolar, like, oh, it's got to be this way or that way. Like, no, like if you, if you truly do it uh, in an anarchistic sort of way, I believe you would have thousands of diverse ways and means to go about things and different supply chains and lines and types of products and things to, and people to serve. And that's what the internet has sort of shown us too. Well, yeah, but, and not only that, but if we actually look at what democracy means uh, and we look at it in terms of the way that Plato lined it out, it, there's zero difference between calling it the tyranny of the majority and calling it mob rule or calling yeah. it majority rule. It, the, so, yes, there is no correct. merit in the majority. There is no merit in just saying, well, we have more people. There's no here. inherent merit. No, yes, exactly. No, 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 that does require evidence demonstration. It requires you know, our ability to process it and make our own decisions about it. And then if we come to it, it's how consensus should work in the first place. Somebody presents an idea. There's a discussion about it. If there's an agreement on it to where it looks like it's the most workable solution then you move forward with it. If it fails, you reassess. If it succeeds, hopefully you can duplicate it and then you can improve upon it. Yeah, that's that's a pragmatic approach to it too. A logical approach, might I add. <laughs> you know, eventually that, that's the way, well, it, when, when societies settle, um, everything sort of restores to like a, an order, I think. And one of the things that keeps us in line, that keeps us in order is this idea that there is a justice system that's responsible for things. And so that's a perfect lead into uh, the next that I have to share for this week's Big Four. And it is this. Um, so this is from Town Hall. It says, hold on a second. George Santos's office had an FBI rat. Chris, we stumbled upon this the other day on Twitter uh, from our friend, uh, was it Redix Viram that, that shared this originally? Uh, and I think we followed that uh, string to be able to find this article. Uh, but this is from Matt Vespa. And it says here that um, it talks about the George Santos uh, guy being slapped with federal charges. But nobody knows what those are. Um, right. Now, with so we can't really talk. We can only speculate about what they'll be about. Um, he's been accused of making up parts. Now, what I love about this is, is that on the same day, the House of Representatives came out with this little report about joe biden and his business dealings overseas now none of that should be really taken all that seriously because it has no legal teeth they can make any claims that they want in this house report and how many house reports and other reports have you read graves in the past that are utter and complete bullshit <laughs> how often I, is that? No, I, I try to research other yeah other <laughs> different things but, but but i mean how many other times have they tried that they just recently did it with the j6 panel you know, right. these these part these partisan investigations that have no legal uh, 
merit to them whatsoever and have no consequences um, until it gets down to who's coming to whose house with a gun. Like right. we were talking about just now when it comes to anarchy, like yeah. nothing is actually real. They can say as much as they want. They can print out as many reports. Every major news outlet in the country could run it for a, a thousand minutes a day or no minutes a day. And it still means the same fuck all that it started with because it holds no actual legal merit to it. But it says here in quotes, Representative George Santos, the New York Republican, who has been the target of numerous investigations into his personal and campaign finances since his biography, was found to be a web of lies and exaggerations. Who's a plagiarist that we know of, Graves? Is maybe the president a plagiarist, a proven plagiarist? I graduated <laughs> from semi class, <laughs> University Smart People School. And it, what yeah. I loved about this was is that the the response from the quote unquote alternative media, people like Dan Bongino and Tim Pool, and I aggregate a lot of information from these different channels to see what the reactions are, right? And they were all saying, well, it's it's so funny that George Santos gets popped the same day as this Hunter Biden story gets let out. Right. So that but that's all that they really have to go by. They can't demonstrate any evidence towards George Santos's plot or whatever that's against him, because, well, we don't even know what the charges are. But it's funny because like while this is all going on and what people are ignoring is that there is somebody on Twitter named Derek Myers that confessed by saying I can publicly confirm that during my brief time in the congressman's office, I had met secretly with agents from the FBI, just like Twitter you know, did, you know, that, no harm done there in an effort to work as a confidential informant and human asset against the congressman during my course of employment in his office. Yep. He says he can't go into further detail there, but this was in response to Jake Tapper saying that George Santos has been charged. So. Um, now, we've been told that this is uh, some type of form of informant uh, that works with the court system, uh, that works within, uh, that works both with lawyers and judges and with people that are appointed in Congress. Yeah. That there's FBI informants working with people. Well, just like the them. infiltration of our media, it's no different. So I'm not shocked the least bit. Yeah. I mean, I, now, does this confirm because we have an online confession? Does this confirm that this is actually going on? No. But there's enough of a path of evidence, I'd say, with the FBI fuckery and pretty much everything. They, they yeah. fuck with Fruit Loops at this point, as far as we know, um, and probably do, actually, when it comes to food and all that supply chain stuff. But anywho, um, guys, what do, you, what do you think of these accusations here that there's FBI informants in pretty much everything? <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Drop the mic. That's it. <laughs> I mean, you, we followed the we followed the Reese's pieces, right? We we we, we did the hard work <laughs> to find out that yes, uh, the whole time it was the FBI under the Scooby Doo mask. I mean, yeah. we we have a hundred years almost of evidence. That the sole purpose of the FBI, aside from revenue collection, remember back when they were the revenuers? Anyone, if yes. you're like yeah. old enough or have wide enough relatives from south of the Mason dumbass line, that they, they were the the revenuer man. Uh, the 
from that point on, their whole MO has been to insert agents into organizations in order to gather information by which to bring about very specific means of prosecution. Yeah. And so the, and it's almost like, uh, Chris Rankhouse pointed this out. It's almost always or always a tax code violation that right. they're prosecuted under. Yeah. Unless you're just out there killing fools, you know. Um, but I do, and now that I think about it, what do you guys think capital crimes mean? You know? Yeah. Um, but uh but yeah, that's I mean COINTEL Pro. But with the, like the whole the, the over and over and over again, where we see this, even with the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and the Oath Keepers oh, and anyone relatively involved with J Six planning, mm-hmm. right. of which evidence the, was never presented the Michigan to the militia. Yeah, yeah, God, just sorry. Yeah, that, 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 I'm just going to say that they bury a lot. That that's what we've been finding in our recent researches on a lot of the J6 cases is that the the evidence that would have been presented at trial is taken care of in, in a couple different ways. One is through plea deals. When people make plea deals, there is yep. no discovery. The evidence goes away. So anything that could show FBI infiltration, all that's covered up. And you think they don't pressure those people? You think they don't come down on them with the hammer of hell to get them to take a, a plea deal to bury the fact that the FBI set them up? Not only that, <laughs> but before they went into the J6 hearings, Revolver Press did really good work on this. We covered yep. it on the show. 26 yep. protected witnesses that were listed before the turn of the year in that case. Ridiculous. That's a lot of hush. Yeah. I mean, things just federal bureau of intimidation, you know, (laughs) evidence, uh, it gets ruled out because of the judges. Um, evidence doesn't even get uh, presented because they, they fast track things, you know, to give you your speedy trial, which is your right. So if you get a new lawyer, you have like, mm, like 36 hours to watch 10,000 hours worth of footage. Yeah. That's a, that's a fun prep session. I don't know if there's enough ADHD medication that I could fucking butt bomb to make that happen. Right. So it just, <laughs> you haven't you, been to one soccer, Rhode Island, my friend. That's right. No, but uh, it, they do it to it up there. No, but uh, no, the, the, the thing about these courts cases is, is that, you know, p- the public person, like the regular person off the street is not prepared at all for what the system does to them. And then you're presented with a, a public pretender, as they call them. And Graves, you've done plenty of shows about this recently with friends of ours that have dealt with the prison system and everything, talking about it. And and just like you you take that plea deal because it's the best thing for you. That doesn't mean you're guilty. Like right. you, it doesn't mean that you actually did the thing that they accused you of. It just means it was the better way out. And maybe it was, but also it buries the real story. It buries the discovery and the, the choice to prove yourself innocent. And very few people choose to go through that hell to prove themselves innocent. It is costly. And it can still and you can still lose in the end. Like, that's the thing. Like, you think you have a jury of your peers and the right evidence is going to be presented and they're going to look at that objectively when they just look at you and they just fucking hate you. <laughs> so half of them are asleep. Yeah. Yeah. If they're even showing up mentally. Right. Pasta, you had something to say, brother? Not at all. No, ditto. Uh, yeah, man. But <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, when you deal with the legal system, though, I don't know if you guys ever have. Like, w- w- did you see the failure in the system that way, or is, has it been vicarious through other people? 
Bro, okay, had it a couple of different ways. Had it a couple of different ways. Let's go back in time, shall we? It's the Story year time. 2001, and I'm in uh, Athens, Georgia, Clark County, Georgia, uh, at a widespread panic show. Nice. And we're standing underneath an awning, pouring down rain, uh, uh, me and a couple other people. And, I mean, I will be honest about this. We fit the description. We did. We got swooped in on by cops on bikes. When they were done patting all of us down, some of us had drugs on us that we didn't previously have. We were thrown into the cop car and we were taken to the Clark County Jail where we all sat for three months. Ugh. And then we went to court and we all got kicked out of the state. And But we all did plead no low to whatever the charges were yeah the conditions were uh a year of unsupervised probation in whatever state we gave them that we were not going to in any rush and uh and to not come back to georgia for 15 years <laughs> so we said you know deal um three months in the clark county jail sucked ass the last time that i got pulled over this is in um I want to say Saratoga, California. Uh, I got pulled over for driving while poor in Saratoga. While poor? <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. It's a thing. And uh, I was on my way to the Santa Cruz Veterans Collective to drop off the three pounds that were in my trunk. Yeah. So I got arrested for that. Um, I got uh, released uh, on recognizance. Uh, basically immediate as soon as i could get processed and really care um the court that i went to the specific judge that i went to and the pd that i was assigned the pd that i was assigned was a fourth amendment fucking just warrior okay the judge was not in the mood for anybody's shit the stop and the whole procedure was fucking wrong the cop when we got there was on duty working as a an unarmed bailiff in the courthouse i was like oh god this is gonna go great so the whole time the fourth amendment lawyer that they're talking when the officer's up there he goes first my dude gets to go up he's like look man i don't really have much to say but we do have a videotape of the uh the event um, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And then after you lie to me, I'm just going to have them roll tape. Are, are we good? You know, and the guy was like, oh, fuck. Asked him a question, got lied to, roll tape. About the third time that happened, the judge was like, look, get, get the fuck out of here, everybody. No, this is all dismissed. You guys are terrible. So had a couple of really bad experiences with public defenders. I've had one good one. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with people like you can't just throw, you know, one blanket over them and say, well, like all all the people that serve this way or serve that way. They did. They, they have this mindset. I think that's a critical mistake that a lot of folks make when when dealing with, you know, just like the the political ramifications, like the social ramifications of our culture um, of, of these stories. And one of the hot button ones that one of the third rail topics that we piss on all the time. Um, is uh, these these shootings 
And and Graves, I listened to uh, your podcast that you did with um, Ron from New England. Uh, the Wicked, what is it? Wicked World? No, the Wicked Planet. Wicked yeah, Planet, yes. All right. dude. Fucked it up. Ron yeah. from New England. Yeah, no, it was awesome, man. And uh, what you guys talked about and what Dave McGowan brought up uh, was that, you know, how we've switched from serial killers to spree shooters in yep. this culture. They took, um, they took that that scare tactics place is the, is the school and spree shooters kind of took over from the celebrity uh, serial killers phenomenon. Well, they're, they're getting a little low on their creative here. Like this is like current WWE creative guys. <laughs> like it's just fucking terrible um this is from the daily mail it says not quite what you were expecting huh hispanic nazi influenced i'm glad they hyphenated that nazi influenced gunman uh posted time delayed video of him removing a scream mask to reveal his identity hours after shooting dead uh eight in mall massacre it says mauricio garcia the most white supremacist name you've ever heard of <laughs> who just so happened to be 33, that magical number, uh, scheduled a twisted YouTube video because, you know, he's allowed on YouTube, but we're not. Yep. <laughs> yeah. To be set live after he carried out the massacre. Now, Garcia grinned as he whipped off his mask and used a voice-changing device to address the camera. He had illegally, he had legally, it says, and this is, I think this is an important distinction here too. Uh, he had legally purchased the firearms that he used in the slaughter, which I guess if you use that in an argument against somebody, well, they'll say, well, then we should ban them yeah. because that's what every political side does right now, including Ron DeSantis. Yes. And I'm not talking about firearms folks. So don't get your panties in a twist. I'm talking about the idea that politicians, that their fucking job is to ban things. If well, DeSantis bad, we did pass it. those red flag laws. So oh, he okay, did. Yeah. Well, thank, yeah. You. thank you. Yeah, Steve. yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think uh, this past week when I listened to um, people talk about DeSantis going over to what was it was Israel to sign these documents about yeah. what, what can and cannot be said about people that's like right. that, that, that's not a clear like that's not a clear violation of something when it comes to the first amendment, like I, I legislation in a different country for his state in our country. Yeah. Like, couldn't he have just docu signed it? Did he have to like fly over <laughs> to Israel just to do that? Think of the carbon gonna, that he emitted just going over there, folks. Come on now. Shouldn't that you're outrage somebody? You're going to say no to Bibby. You can't, <laughs> you know, you're gonna, mean, are you going to say no? I mean, well, you gotta remember reason. they signed they signed an oath too that people don't want to talk about, but they sign an oath that's separate from America. Cynthia Cynthia McKinney uh, told uh, Don Jeffries, my buddy Don Jeffries, all about that. Now, that was the APAC or whatever, right? You're si you're swearing an oath to something other than the United States when you get elected. Wait, yeah. that and, you know, we then, assume that they did an oath, but they did an oath over the oath. Who knew yeah. that? <laughs> There's a not insignificant number of Congress critters that have dual citizenship with, yeah. with Israel and um, not too many other Congress critters that have dual citizenship, period. Right. 
Uh, and, and to some fucking people, that just made us alt-right, folks. <laughs> yeah, that made us anti-Semitic. Yeah, the dangerous anti-Semitism that should yeah. be banned from the internet. Put this under the Restrict Act, too, why don't you? You know, yeah. the, while they're launching all the bans of things, they're going to ban TikTok by not banning TikTok, by banning foreigners from being able to communicate with us. What yeah. harm could that do? It's not like they wrote about it in 1984 or some shit, right? <laughs> so I, I just, for the record, you guys, if we're the, the new prisoners audience, if you're not familiar uh, with, with me or the show or anything like that, I promise you there are way, way, way easier reasons to call us anti-Semitic than what just happened <laughs> going forward. That's with, fine. Yeah. That's right. fine. Is it dancing Israelis in your back catalog at all? You know what? Okay. I mean, well, when the drops. <laughs> the first time I got a hold of Whitney Webb, in like 2018 is because when it first started slow news day is because she had written an article about the dancing Israelis from Met press news. That's right. And so I got a hold of her and I was like, Hey, fan of your previous work. Would you, you would like to, to, to talk to you whatever. Yeah. And, uh, she goes, well, look, uh, yes, but if you could wait like three weeks and this was rolling into 2019, um, I, I got something that I think is gonna, gonna be a little bit more, it's gonna pop a little bit more. And so I wound up interviewing her for her first interview about her Epstein series that now became two and on its way to a third book. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like how I started, started with the dancing Israeli article. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shout out to cool. Whitney because uh, in one of my earliest episodes, I think it was like episode two, we used one of her pieces that informed me a lot about Alex Carp. I had no idea who that motherfucker was and how, how dirty Palantir and all these other companies were and how they were basically all DOD ops that were going into the pharmaceutical industry and basically monopolizing it. Yeah, no harm there, right? Where did that, what, what, what bad could have come of that? <laughs> So yeah. awesome. now Alex Carp is a guy who would think that we were all anti-Semitic. Oh yeah. He yeah. he thinks that fucking anything like um my buddy, uh the toy was anti-Semitic. Uh anything, Play-Doh could be anti-Semitic to Alex Carp. You know, the, the left wall of a house could be anti-Semitic to Alex Carp. My anything? my my buddy doll from the 80s questioned yes. the uh the dancing Israelis and the art school uh students in the twin towers there. My buddy has a whole arc where he talks about building six. Okay. Oh, and what was underneath building six? Yeah, that's right. That's right. But I, was, I, I bring that up because like to these people, anything that can be perceived as a threat just is like it just you don't have to have any solid evidence or you don't have to present anything to the public. You just act and you do so because yeah. you have you, you, you have God's will behind you. <laughs> They're chosen. They're chosen to do this to us, folks. So we had a scream mask, huh? Six, like. Oh yeah, getting, let's go. Getting let's... real stale with these these things. I mean, yeah, I mean that's 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 today's creative. Uh, whenever it comes to these, um, what would you say, psychological, like, uh, like. I can't prove it was a psyop, but yeah, I'll like, just say it was a psyop. Well, trauma-based mind control. Like the next time you go to the mall and, and you right. hear something go pop, what are you gonna do? They do? really kick the movie plan? script, the movie plots into overdrive after Q or with Q. Yes. Like there were Q drops that were literally the plot to Bruce Willis movies. Oh, yeah. Well, and, and they're doing that right now, too, Steve. Now that you mentioned that Colossus, please, six. You can explain it better to these gentlemen. 
Yes. So I'll go back to the panel. So Alex Jones had a guy named Bob Fletcher on a few weeks ago, and we had a listener send us the segment and say, check this out, because um, we had our friend Vince Agnali on a a few months ago, Vince Agnali Jr., who wrote a great book called The Public Wheel. That's W-E-A-L, The Public Wheel and You. Definitely check that out. It talks about the founding of the country. That's where I got the 1788 uh, number from in the monologue. There's a reason for that. Um, but anywho, uh, we had Vince on and he was talking to us about AI technology and this old movie called Colossus in which the two computers, uh, came up with a language that they, that they made for each other and were starting to plot against the humans that they became sentient. Well, Bob Fletcher sitting on Alex Jones's show and with no presenting, no evidence with presenting nothing other than he had heard for some guy that these two computers had started talking to each other. And came up with their own language and started plotting against them. So they had to be unplugged. It was the exact same. Like if you went to IMDb and looked up the synopsis for the movie, it's like he read directly from it. They're using B science fiction movie plots now for all the current day events. I know that that's not anything new, but but that's the anecdotal evidence that people in that audience present to other people and makes us look fucking crazy over here. Like that's what, you know, people see that shit and they're like, oh, that sounds wild. And then they go to look it up and there's no evidence of that thing. It's just a claim. So anyone that looks further into it thinks that you're a nutball because you shared with them the, the, the shocking video that AI is sentient now and we have to do something about it, folks. Right. It, so anything, anything can be perceived as a threat, especially when it's written romantically like that, that it's a battle between good guys and bad guys. You know, the the good versus evil, us versus them type of mentality, the axis of evil, you know, from our upbringing. But the the Q drops is one. Steve brought that up. The fucking white hats. The entire idea that you think that there's these these magical elves inside of the government that are doing one can dream. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> One can dream. Right. These unnamed, unrecognized figures that are just making these things happen for the good behind the scenes, which explains the bad that's happening. Talk about a coping mechanism. Wait, like, <laughs> isn't it logical to think that there's going to be some people that say, nah, fuck this shit. This is not good for humanity. I have to do something about it. There's got I mean, right. that's you logical know, to think that way. Oh, yeah, I mean, there's whistleblowers. It's there's not, people you know, that take real risk out there. There are. And they, they stand out like a sore thumb after a while because like it was so many people in line mentally that as soon as you speak out of turn now, as soon as you yeah. use the wrong fucking pronoun, they know that you're not one of them. <laughs> Get ready for the body snatchers screech after that, too. Well, you know, and, they just point you, as, and, you know, <laughs> uh, as as real as the existence of people, individuals who get sucked into a job uh, and then find out that it's not what, you know, they were sold. And then over a period of time, have a crisis conscience and have the constitution to step forward and say something about it. As real as that is, I think that the white hat, black hat narrative is something that, while handy as an illustrative tool of better behavior when you're reading a children's book uh, as a, a, you know, a way to frame the world around you as a grown-up is inherently dangerous. Yeah. It, it's a, a, you know, to use those simplistic moral tales and try to apply them logically. It doesn't, it doesn't parse well. 
With but reality. that's what made Q so successful, and that's what made Russiagate so successful because right. it appeals to that extended adolescence, and it appeals to the people who have just enough brain power to tune into the things that already codify their world beliefs. Yes, and they were you know, so coddle their world hope. beliefs. Sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. No, they feed you half truth. I mean, yeah. is is there AI technology out there? Is there AI technology that is that can experience language in, in a much more diverse way that our brains can probably comprehend right now? Yeah, yeah that's possible. Is it sentient though? No, no, it's no. And, and yeah, it is. It's just a tool, and it's it's programmed by fucking tools. It's owned by fucking <laughs> tools. You know, it, it's owned by people like Alex Carp and Peter Schiff and all these other people. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, there, there's a billionaire class that, I mean, to have someone like Elon uh, be able to affect uh, what what type of news cycle exists now with him uh, having this uh, Tucker Carlson uh, show that's going to be popping up on Twitter. Bring it, bitch. Put your show side by side with one of ours. Have people watch your whatever bullshit that you put together, Tucker, and then put us right after you side by side on the same platform. And let people figure out who's selling them shit and who isn't, because we'll happily present what we know. Like, but will you? Like, will you still work with the same handlers? <laughs> you still work yeah, with the same people much. that allow you to say what the fuck? You know. But didn't so, you realize Six Tucker had a great awakening to how the media and the world really works? Remember his whole speech? What a bullshit artist, like all the other fuckers. I mean, a little bit of pinky does a lot of good sometimes for some people. Yeah. But uh, two, yeah, two in the pink. Yeah. yeah. He discovered something about himself. But uh, no, I mean, what do you guys think about Do you guys stream to Twitter as well? Is, is no. that part of the platform thing no. that you do? I mean, it, it's uh, the, the, my, my relationship with Twitter is I will never give them any fucking money. I will never give Elon Musk a dime of my fucking money. I will use you like the stupid whore that you are, you stupid fake bitch. Um, with oh, your, thank your, you. his, yeah, his false, his false, uh, uh, aura of his intelligence that he continues to get pushed over by people on us. Um, I think that he was selected for his role because he fits it just like Bill Gates. Bill Gates is such a, a empty, empty uh, yeah. fat booby chested fuck. Uh, and, Bill Gates, right? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck Bill okay. Gates too. But all, all, all of these different people, like who, yeah. who elected any of them to rule over our lives? Like I, I have no relationship with them. I want nothing from them. And I certainly don't want to give them any more of my fucking money. Like it's, it's, it's infuriating to me that I have to generate money in the, in, in this stupid bullshit fiat system in order to give it up to conglomerates so I can just keep my fucking lights on yeah, so I can just yeah. connect to the internet so I can talk to my friends and, and, and to, to the audience that we have here today. Like I have to pay these blood soaked monster fucking criminals who are way worse than any scream tale that you could write chris graves horrors that i have to pay i have to pay them for their monopoly and that's somehow capitalism that's freedom that's our culture like i don't want any of that i i don't care i don't care if it goes back to phonograph days like <laughs> take me back where i'm milking fucking goats at this point it would probably be better for me in the long run <laughs> get some fresh air would be nice outside yeah, yeah man. exactly you know but i mean where where does this lead us though like where where does this i mean if we're gonna if we're gonna reject the rule of billionaires and their ability to affect our news cycle what we know what we know what we get from 
the the drizzle down from the intelligence agencies through the major mainstream media to us who have to take the information and break it down and show our audiences where they're fucking us. Like, I think that if there's no other role for alternative media, is it not that? <laughs> right. Well, I don't know what about the the role is for alternative media, but I will tell you about the what I think of more than anything is the tactics in which it needs to be presented in, right? I mean, a lot of it, we can look at the control mechanisms. We understand that there are governors in place. When I say governors, mean make you meaning you can't go too fast. You can't go too over here. You can't talk about this. You get censored, whatnot. There are restrictions that are around us that impede us from doing exactly what we want to do when we need to do it. But, I mean, when it comes to when I look at Tucker and I look at other people who are successful too as well i guess coming from my acting field uh, understanding that there is an art form of communication there's an art form of performance so you know i I think that i don't know if this is getting off on a side note or you know we're not getting away from what just our responsibility is it's just not it's so it's so much is it's so much important that not just what we say but how we say it and if we're going to you know have a channel have a a platform, have a network, why wouldn't we do the best? Why wouldn't we swing the best bat we can to hit the ball to meet, reach as many people? I mean, I, I'm assuming that we are all doing this for maybe not so many different reasons, but we have something inside. We feel that we want to communicate to others. That's important Absolutely. for whatever reason, right? You know, yeah. so why wouldn't we do it as best we can? So understanding that people like Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson, you know, as a whole, they're full of shit, right? But what are they doing in the art of communication which allows them to to get more eyes, to get more ears on them? I think when you started off with the monologue today, and you know, and, and I look at that, I think that shit is so great, you know, because um, it really grabs people's attention. It's a form of, of communication that, you know, I think we all need to do better at. We all need to work at to, to get to more eyes, more ears, uh, and more hearts and more minds. So that's what I often think about, you know, is how do we beat them at their own game? Despite those restrictions, despite those hurdles, despite right. all those things, and, you know, we, uh, that will we be become what is my role. What do I have to do to make sure that I, I fulfill that role? At it's best it could be. I mean, if we want to play their game, then we wake up the son of a blood diamond merchant who gets his education. No, no, faked I'm not saying that, that's their game. There's, a, there's an art form of communication, period, which they've tapped into. It's got nothing to do with them. They didn't create it. They just understand it. You know, that's 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 what I'm saying. It's not their game. It's oh, just it's the form of just communication like that they're art. playing well. You know, it's a science yeah, yeah. and an art. Like there is things that line up. There are th- ways that you speak and say things and have a diction that is effective and, and how to put things and string words together is all very much an artful but scientific way of approaching things. And we're going up against, you know, the Edward Bernays treatment mm-hmm. 10 times over these days. With no it's help, involved. by the way, Sticks. Yeah, no, no yeah, absolutely. On yeah. our own, and it's so no much help. harder. Well, with the help of our audiences that we do have, I mean, the, the people out there that do come here and do super chats and do donate, you know, to any one of us, mm-hmm. thank you for that. You know, the, the yeah. amount of good that that does, like if you think about the amount of harm that, that goes into just the tax dollars that are taken from you every day, like if you took a portion of that, if you did just, if you did 10% of what's taken from you tax-wise into alternative media, what, what would this country look like in five years? What, what would we look like alternative media-wise in five years if you took 10% of what you get raped in taxes for and put it into uh, a different type of system? 
what what would pay what would the payout look like? I mean, we'd probably have a bigger presence, but ultimately it comes down to the ownership. Like the 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 sad thing about alternative media for me right now is that when it comes to like these alternative platforms, they're still going to be owned by the hands of a few. The ways that the ways that we and means that we could have to do this, I think that uh, Ian Crossland does a great job of explaining it on on Timcast IRL to federate um, these these different websites. And by that, which we can have ownership over our own brands and ownership over our own content and be able to share that to any node, any platform, anywhere. That's what uh, Adam Curry, the pod father, has mm -hmm. been working on for like the last decade is that exact thing. What Ian's describing as podcasting 3.0 is conceived by Curry and his team. Yeah. Like it, ex it exists. Because we can get buried by Rumble's algorithm just as easily as we can get buried by Twitter's algorithm, well, and for do. advertisers, yeah, we do. or whatever already, else. Yeah, newsflash: we already do. Well, well you yeah. do. You guys do. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, from eight o'clock, from eight o'clock on, there's a couple of shows, or eleven o'clock uh, on the East Coast, there's a couple of shows that come on, and everything gets throttled and oh. crashy, and uh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Wow. Like the other day, it was saying one person was watching while the chat. There was multiple people talking at yeah, the same time, and and I think that has something to do with their now. It's not going to be boosted in their algorithm out there, so we won't get more eyes and ears. Eventually, it clicked back into boom, thirty nine people, forty people watching, which is low anyways. But maybe it was low because it said one person watching and nobody jumped in because it wasn't right. promoted within the algorithm. So I'm assuming. And then we looked at a lot of videos the way they were like. They weren't monetized off the jump. It it seems it, it seems weird. Yeah. We we had a discussion yesterday with Peter Prada, right? And the drummer of very uh, good Prada. one, yeah, yeah. And Pete I'm was my like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I love this was that. fucking gold, right? Yeah. Like I'm like like who the fuck is having these discussions now? Who's talking with these? I mean, and it was just an amazing, intriguing conversation. But then you see the numbers, and they're and they're so low. And that's the thing: the better communicator you get. The more people you start to reach, more restrictions come, more throttling comes, more right. goons come, more demonetization yeah. comes. You know what I'm saying? It, the, the better you get as a communicator, the more you will get pushed back down. And that's the whole challenge, too, as well, because it can be very demeaning. A lot of times I'm like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? I thought it would be just so much better when I was just a professional waiter working four nights a week making 1200 a week, going, playing fantasy football, playing poker here and there. You know what I'm saying? It was just such an easy Working at Dave and Buster's, life. right? Dave and What's Buster's? That? Working at Dave and Buster's, right? I did work at, yeah, I worked at Dave and Buster's for a while, and I did too as well. I, I opened up restaurants for them and jumped around for them. I, I mean, I worked at the Dave and Buster's in Mel Pitas and made like 1500 a week 20 years ago. You know what I'm saying? And, and then yeah, I would me. take two, three days off, go play, have a great time, you know, Go to you know the go to some Niners games, some Giant games. Go drive over to freaking uh, what, what's that part of Northern Nevada over there? Uh, Lake Tahoe, Lake oh, yeah. Tahoe. I mean, oh, yeah. it was you know I didn't think about what happened outside my borders. I didn't give a fuck what happened in Syria or China or I didn't give a damn. You yeah. <laughs> say now it's like you do this shit, you start beating yourself over the head. So much more work for so little money, and you're like. What am I doing? So that throttling from these people, it could really make you question your fucking life. And they know that just like yeah. they understand the form of communication, get, get their message out there and have a team to help have that communication 
thrust it out there with the help of the people with the keys to the kingdom behind their back. They also understand what demoralizes you. You know what I'm saying? Well, they yeah. get you questioning yourself. It's like screaming into a pillow. It's yeah. just like you you can you can be as loud as you want. You can have the best type of content. And this goes into art too. Like I had a real eye opener when it came to music. Like you could you could be the uh, shred master. You could be Michelangelo Batty or you know somebody like that. You ain't getting anywhere unless you pay to play. Like and that's that's how it really works in in, in this type of media. And that's why it's so unfair to people that want to present something that's fair and objective because the people that would pay you know to to get people over and to make them big names have a stake in getting those voices and those opinions over so then they always have to align with whatever corporation or something like that is so being truly independent and being you know hashtag diy media like with us sharing things within our own networks with us being able to and our friend angry tiger from knights of the storm shout out to him uh, did a little lesson with us and our friend Chris Graves a few months ago where they went on to Chris Graves' Twitter and found out that you couldn't even search for his fucking name. He was so buried that he was un he, he didn't even exist on Twitter, but he did. And then we I figured did. out that by I sharing did. his name and sharing other things over and over again and tagging each other, that it was a way to break that algorithm. And we even had David Knight help out a little bit. Well, with that. what had happened was I had done an episode uh, focusing on the documents of the Operation Northwoods where we literally went down the whole, the whole thing. And then yeah. that got like, I got buried. And then for people like David Knight that are higher profile and Sam Tripoli, when I was able to get on the tinfoil hat, just being on there was able to pull me out of that, that Twitter hell or Twitter jail, whatever you want to call it. But you had, I realized with uh, this guy, angry tiger that we're talking about that, we had to tag as many people in the, the retweets, which, you know, can piss some people off. But other people, you're pulling them out of Twitter jail, too, just by having them tagged with your stuff. So it's a double edged sword. But it was something that we had to, we figured we would try to do to to beat the algorithms in some way. Or we had to do something. Yeah, and you were right, so Pasta. We need to beat these motherfuckers at what they do. Like we serve it to them in the tactics that they use. I mean, we our good friend Vince Vince Agnoli, shout out to him again. He reads through Saul Alinsky stuff all the time. Just because like you should know what the tactics are. You should know what the rules to chess are. If you're gonna play somebody in chess, you should know how the fucking pieces move. <laughs> that doesn't mean you do it immorally. That doesn't mean you use it in a dirty or cheating way. You don't become a heel, you know. <laughs> but you you can you can still you can still do it and win. Like I I, I do have yeah. a faith in that. I'm just so much concerned about the way, and I hate to use the term infighting because, oh, you're infighting. I mean, it's not infighting if we don't have the same fucking stance on something, dude. It's just because I might, you know, be in the same clan as you for whatever particular reason. It's not infighting, but. Or your controlled opposition. <laughs> you know, that's. I, I, the, there's a lot of that. The there's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of that. But you know what? Useful idiots, I think, more than controlled opposition. They understand the human brain, the human psyche, the human emotions, and they found a way to just somehow pit us against each other. I was thinking of the other day, it's like with all this shit going on, some of the people that used to be my friends that aren't my friends anymore, it's just like, holy fuck, you know what I'm saying? And that leads back to that whole thing. If we did get control as humans, are we going to fucking burn it down anyways? Are we incapable of a species of getting along, loving each other, respecting each other? I don't know. 
Well, I mean, the way that uh, modern psychology and other things have, have treated, and we talked about the infantilization of us all, <laughs> um, are we ready to see uh, something that is called a manifesto? Um, <laughs> let me do a little, uh, I think I'm already doing the screen share. Them. Yeah, there it is. Oh, wrong one. All right, cool. But uh, this I pulled from WILL. This is the last of the big four for this week. But it says, new federal lawsuit will, uh, will, which is the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, takes FBI to court over Nashville shooters, shooters Manifesto. Now, before we even jump into this story, I got something for you guys. Are manifestos real? Is that a real phenomena that, that you, like for some reason, you're going to go out and blow a bunch of people up, right? <clears throat> it's, it's what you came to like that day because like you went out to get the mail and you're fucking yeah, orphan. They, 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 they are. Didn't come in. People want to listen. They want to explain why they're doing the things they're doing. I'm not saying that they can't be tampered with or fucked with. And I'm not saying mm -hmm. that everybody's going to leave a manifesto. Some people might have a breaking point, but a lot of these things seem like this is why I'm doing it. And I want you to understand who I am and why I'm doing it. It seems logical to me. That doesn't always mean that it's the it, it did happen or it wasn't manipulated or wasn't fucked with or whatever the case may be. But it, it, it I mean, doesn't it seem logical to you? See, that's the thing. Like, I don't know what necessarily drives illogical people to do illogical things like mass shootings and here's the drugs what, that they're on and the other perceptions of how that can affect them. And yeah, go on, Steve. Here's what I think. I think when the Unabomber's manifesto was released, it was a double-edged sword for everybody because industrial society in its future is an incredible piece of writing. Really is. Um, 1010 would recommend. Uh, the, at the same time, it did sort of kick off now everyone who does a thing has a manifesto. And so it allows for an opportunity where if you're going to create events like this uh, in order to steer the public in one direction or another, that you have the ability to, along with that, create a manifesto and set an agenda and you get people to, I don't know, let's say all wear black trench coats for a while or get mm. people to... Um, you know, People that followed Kurt Cobain committed suicide because they thought that Kurt Cobain committed suicide. That was one thing I picked up from uh, a podcast that Chris Graves uh, just he recently didn't commit did. suicide. No, uh, they had copycats. Did Anthony Bourdain commit suicide? Ooh. No. Yeah, I mean, I can't prove that, but no. He did seem like he was upset and pissed and confused. I'd, I'd be too if my wife were right. fucking some young guy. I mean, yeah, like, and, and was also an international sex trafficker. And the only way that you figured that out is because you were working on a documentary film with three other people who also mysteriously died, committed suicide within like three years. Is there I would proof file of that, that under us. <laughs> was there actual proof of that stuff or is that just kind of conjecture? Yeah. Yeah, what the that she was involved in a sex trafficking thing? His wife. I don't think there's ever been a, a court. We're talking case about Bourdain's wife, or we talk yeah. about Asia, yeah. Asia Argento. Yeah, Asia. Yeah, and okay, but I mean, no. Is there is there proof that he was that Bourdain was working on that? You can watch the trailer for the documentary right now. It lists yeah. all of the producers and stuff like that. It's Chris Cornell and it's uh, uh, 
fuck. From uh, Chad Martin Bennington. Chad yeah, Bennington. Yeah, yeah, Chester Bennington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. uh, Avicii was part of this. Uh, and all of them. Yeah, and I think all of them so, red scarf deaths, too. It's his wife. I had an uncle used to say, the ruination, the ruination of all men is a woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And for, I remember ruination that a word is what I said. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing. You're talking about the manifesto stuff, right? I noticed uh, a lot of the time when they're setting up a, a backstory, when it is a legitimate, like, Patsy-like situation in, in some kind of psychological operation or a false flag, whatever, you can never really tell whether or not they, the person that they're they're blaming actually wrote the material, like the journal entries and all these other things. You know, you got yeah, to question doing a handwriting assessment on this manifesto, right? This is an online manifesto, potentially even from an unknown Russian website until like four days ago that they told us is the number two Russian social media site somehow that I can't even fucking begin to pronounce. <laughs> I can't they even had pronounce a Lee, Harvey, Lee Harvey Oswald. They, uh, one of the major magazines in the mid-70s tried to claim that it was his journal about uh, wanting to kill Kennedy and all that. And they totally memory hold that now because most likely it was not his journal. And they just presented it to the public as more damning evidence of you know, the court of public opinion because they took his ass out or Jack Ruby took his ass out and then his ass got taken out. So you never, you never know. I, now, let's talk about the Texas mall shooter there, folks, just to make sure well, yeah. people don't conflate because the, the, the Texas mall shooter had like some type of profile in this Russian social media site that's being reported. And we're supposed to accept that as actual evidence of online uh, confessions and, and, uh, they did the same thing Nazi with the Columbine kids. Of, you know, the Columbine kids pledges, too. They said that they were Nazis and everything. And then you find yeah. out Dylan Klebold was Jewish or part but, Jewish. But that Russian information is not disinfo. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Okay, <laughs> like any other any other information that's damning to the military industrial complex. And uh, Pasta, I'm glad you brought up Syria a little while ago because uh, Graves and I have been talking about doing a uh, Syrian gas attack special. Because um, that was one thing that uh, I thought that Jimmy Dore, Aaron Matei, and a bunch of other people did a fucking amazing job exposing is that the Syrian gas attacks were fucking bullshit. Reach out to Dr. Piers Robinson. Dr. Piers Robinson. making no Very approachable. Now. He runs uh, the organization uh, for Syria propaganda. And oh. he did... I mean, he is collected and along with, you know, some of the stuff that, that Mate did too um, yeah. and the Gray Zone did. <clears throat> I mean, what, five years uh, yeah. of worth of a body of work? He also does the Organization for Propaganda Studies. He has another group that does specifically focused on 9-11. Um, he has a, a group called Pandata that just kind of assesses all of the uh, available COVID based and MRNA gene therapy based they like, I mean, wonderful. He goes deep on all that, huh? The problem. And he's been at this for quite a while and is just, I mean, an absolute wealth of knowledge and a university professor who isn't, wasn't full of himself, but very, very good at communicating complex information in you know a, a digestible manner with this like very soft very lovely english 
accent. Oh, and nice. It's so pleasant on the airs. Yeah. yeah. I want to go grab a spot of tea just thinking about it. Right? But uh, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, Bring maybe a bit some, to crumpet. Yeah, yeah. Give me some Earl Grey. I need that juice. Mm, yes but uh no i mean so back to the manifesto thing though so this is being withheld from us folks um this is being withheld from us by none other than the fbi so my next question to the panel would be is that do manifestos influence people or does the media influence people does the media's framing of these manifestos and the imagery and the other things portrayed by them is that the action in which sets forth violence and other things that can come up these things well obviously the way it's presented is going to be you know determined on how people are going to be manipulated moved or what feelings they're going to get from it but i do feel there's some form of justification for people's team sport needs <laughs> to be cherry-picked through these manifestos, which is the most important. And that's how I think the media will always portray it and allow it to be trade. You know, they'll, they'll, they'll compartmentalize areas in which the left can go after the right or the right can go after the left. So even though maybe there are some things that can spark in a manifesto, some individual thinking, some independent thinking, it will never be presented to us. Only the parts that will be used for tribal needs will be used to persuade people. Oh, it's going to be sound-bited out. Yeah, a clip yeah. to hell and everything to else, too. And stuff will be know. concentrated on. In other words, and you know people aren't going to take a time like, oh, I'm going to go read through this manifesto and see read what Read a transcript, yeah. So, yeah. Never, you know, never. Within that, within a manifesto of a, of a real situation, right? And I, you know, you know, Steve said something very interesting. It wasn't even on the convo couch. He was doing a slow news day, and he was talking about the fact that you know, you don't even need to MK Ultra a lot of these people nowadays that you can see that, that they're so fucking twisted. They're probably on who knows what type of SSR, SSRI yep. that they can just be pushed and pro moved in a certain way. Oh, the so, MK Ultra is on every screen that you own now. Yeah. You know, it, it's, yeah. it is your phone. It is it your is. laptop. It is. It is the camera. <laughs> it is everything. It is. For so 40 rather years. Rather than, you know, <laughs> allowing the parts where people might look at it as an individual, you know, maybe you know, put themselves inside the shoes of that that uh, particular person and the pain they were going through to understand where it led them to that, that certain point or that certain area. They're just going to use, like you said, and people will not read the whole manifesto. They'll just take what is given to them from what was on that idiot, idiot box. Like with, the, like with the headlines uh, online, people, most people get their news by reading the headline and not the actual article. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, headlines are Absolute served to them fact. because that's the default news app on their phone. That's the default. Then you find browser. out the that's article. The default that Google read, goes to. If you do yeah. read the article, you find out that the headline was the polar opposite of what's actually in the article. Yeah, that's what I find a lot. Well, yeah. and it's because Grace, you have a, a tremendous amount. I think we could all can attest to that. You have a tremendous amount of foreknowledge. You have a tremendous amount of time and research and effort put into understanding these these types of stories and the patterns. So you know what types of things to look for to break the algorithm. Because you for see most the people, trends in history, and you you know people like I'm not equating myself at all to Dave McGowan or Bill Cooper, but you don't need a crystal ball with a lot of this stuff. The playbook is usually the same. If it works, why change it? It just. But yeah, but the average person searching for news doesn't know how to find that stuff. Because they well, don't they have the same knowledge base to go by to search for. They, it. they haven't been taught how to how to think through a problem. Yeah, they, yeah. Half the time they've been taught to just look in the back of the book. 
or down, cheat off. Or their they neighbor. don't have time even. You yeah. know, work yeah, to yeah, death. Yeah. They have the families. They got yeah. struggles with all this. They're consumed with other bullshit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the hard sell. Whenever it comes to just going back to an agorial type of society, though, you know, if you I try don't try to. That's why I don't try to sell anybody on that yeah, shit. Yeah. I'm telling you what I think might work for me. I'm telling you, that I try to make it perfectly clear that like there's no such thing as one parallel society. Yeah, the, it's there's you know the multiple. I think that the very first step that needs to happen, aside from determining that you would like more liberty in your life, is well, which requires a lot of personal warfare. responsibility. You know, that's what I was kind of yeah. saying by bringing that up is that the, the yeah, hearts yeah. Go with a lot of personalities out there is that you're going to say that, hey, you that doesn't have time to even take five minutes to talk to your kid about whether or not he's a, a shim or her or a, a fucking Norwal this week. That you're going to take that the no time that you have besides not doing 15 minute abs to run over and just buy land, move out to the country, figure out how chickens work and do all this shit. And that's going to save America. Like They're just going to be like, no, I'm just going to pull this fucking lever, bro. <laughs> My check comes Friday. <laughs> yeah, you know? It's hard, man. It's it's like, but other people can take that. You can take that thing like uh credit to Tim pool this past week for saying that, you know, get out of the cities, get out to these places. But then like, I have friends in the city. So am I, am I to go back and say, it's, it's like the age old, like type of uh, moral or ethical type of question is just that, you know, if you have friends in these burning buildings and you warn them that they're burning, do you run in to save them? Like at what, where, where is the breaking point where you allow society or these, these collectives to collapse and fall in on them, on themselves. And like, what, what responsibility do we each have as individuals to to try and aid these collectives? Is is there anything there at all? Is there any type of contract when it comes to that stuff? No, I'm done converting people myself. I just present what I find and then make up your own mind. That's as cold as that sounds. I have there's there's a an unlimited capacity for love coupled with a realistic perspective of how you know what what my ability to do legitimate help currently is for myself for the people closest to me whatever that you know and and i think that i've said this a lot especially where it comes to activism and stuff like that <clears throat> if you're not a a healthy person you're going to give bad help to other people in every single aspect, if you're sick, you shouldn't go to work. If you're under the weather, you got a bug, you shouldn't go to work. You just shouldn't. It's it makes everybody else's job harder. That that's what you're doing. And as a, a you know, as a manager, if somebody showed up sick, I would send them home. You know, what I mean, like I'm sorry you don't get. I know it sucks, dude. You got to take a fucking you know sympathy tips pay cut today. But no, dude, you're not fucking up everybody else's week. You know, no. Uh, if you know I'm, i do carpentry i did carpentry with a broken leg i'm gonna do carpentry with a broken leg that's slowing down the process you know not that much because at 45 i still you know can outwork most teenagers with terms of give a damn or work ethic or anything like that yeah but um but it's still slowing but i'm not fully healthy I'm not giving the best help that i could even if you're not the same with your your mentals or your spirituals exact same problems and if yeah you're but doing you know that, Steve, people can go along with that same journey by the way i just want to point that out while you're right there 
we all know we're not at the healthiest. We're all trying to get better. We're all trying to get healthy. And that's the beauty of sometimes growing and going along that journey with somebody because it really is uplifting to somebody. They're like, you know, if Steve can do this, then I can. If Pasta can do this, then I can. If Chris can get there, I can. You know what I'm saying? Sorry <laughs> to interrupt, buddy. Yeah, no, I mean, that's that, that totally doesn't. Yeah. It, the, the point being, though, that like unless you're aware of the fact that there's shit that needs to get handled yet, then you aren't going to be able to be giving decent help. You know, you need most people try to most people try to compensate for how shitty their life is by taking on too much else and getting involved in something that allows for them to check out uh, of what their own internal turmoil is. And, and that's what distraction. Yeah. Well, it's distraction through action and it's distraction. That's intentionally stressful. That is going to wear you out. That is going to cause you to do, you know, to do too much more as a result. And then that's going to become habit forming a little bit addicting. And it's going to be where you get, and then you get burnout. You get burnout. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh yeah, we've Absolutely. talked about this on on the show a lot. It's just like how this uh, the the effect that the reading these stories and going through and having these conversations each week can have on your mentality. And and I'm glad that we we kind of arrived here because I would I would pose this question: Is that that how do then we we appeal to our culture then? I mean, if we want somebody to be healthy, we don't Bloomberg them to death, right? By banning large sodas, like I don't think that that's the cure for it. So then we have to appeal to them some other way besides force. Like what what is what is the method? Present the positive instead of taking away the negative. Yeah, a positive reinforcement does hey, a lot of good. How about people. instead of a sixty yeah. ounce Coca Cola, you get yourself a nice thirty ounce squished, fresh squeezed pineapple? Because we have these pineapples that were grown without the help of Monsanto and that all that crap. They're as natural as can be, and you're gonna love the taste of the juice, and they're gonna taste. It's going to be much healthier for you. Presenting the positive instead of focusing on the negative, I think, is the way we do get around well, that. And especially well, yeah, if the I, pineapple guy is from your neighborhood, right? Like that's yeah. the even better part. Like it, when, when Steve talked about you know your physical presence, like the way that you have a radius around you of what you can actually physically affect in your own little world. Like I don't know exactly what that radius is or how far it reaches, but within that radius of how far your physical reach goes and what you affect physically. I think that we could all have an influence there by, you know, having smaller communities that gather and, and make decisions and also network with one another whenever it comes to resources. Like, and I, I know that we're reinventing the wheel here, but we're just reinventing it into a smaller, more workable type of functional thing. It's like taking a supercomputer and making it a microchip, you know, because you can, you can zoom it in and, and apply that influence that you have physically to the world around you. So if you live around people that do produce eggs from their chickens and do produce honey and other things, you should be able to network with them without interference from another party. Like there's no need for a third party there, in my opinion. Like <laughs> that's, that's, that's the problem that we keep running into trying to apply this blunt instrument. You know, Lysander Spooner would call it, I believe the teeth of the state in order to settle certain things in our culture. And whether or not we even, and I'll just switch back to this before we continue on with the conversation, but just even to what we're allowed to know, like how much of what you're allowed to know is, is, is you know, taken care of, is filtered, is blocked by people that claim to have your best interests at heart, to claim to take an oath to you, but maybe they took another oath over that oath. Who knows? 
But uh, shout out to these people for taking a lawsuit to the FBI. Uh, I would have loved to have gotten Lisa's thoughts on this, but she's in transit, um, as she said at the broadcast. So she lost signal a long time ago, guys. But uh, she sends her regards. Um, but no, I, I just wanted to give a shout out to this group because anyone that's standing up against the FBI in court, uh, good luck to you because you, you know that they're not going to play it right. They're like Ric Flair. They're like the dirtiest fucking player in the game. Uh, so yeah, who knows if uh, you're going to go over in that match. But uh, guys, any any uh, closing thoughts on any of the articles that we brought up today? And I know that, Steve, you had a few things that maybe you would have liked to bring up. So there, there is something I, I, I do have that I think is going to tie together more or less the entire discussion for the day and also hopefully take us a couple couple other directions as well. And if it's OK with you guys, I think we have like a. a, a person or two that we need to thank at some point and please remind absolutely. people how we we do the program but let's um if you want to tie the room together with the rug he peed on your rug the marmot the chinaman <laughs> is not the issue here and by the way asian americans the proper nomenclature thank you uh <laughs> <laughs> gabriel, together, please, please. gabriel lopez the the host now nah, i'm not gonna do that joke anyway um, but no, I mean, as well, as far as to, to put a pin on the, the FOIA and whatnot, it, that's this is yet another direct example of the federal government using it, its literal you know, bully force to say you do not have the right to know what we do. You don't deserve more than what we're willing to give you. And if you question it, you're going on a list. And yet they're supposed to work for us. Isn't that what's presented to us all the time? Isn't that nice? Yeah. yeah how does that and work? you're going to pay for it. I pay you so you can tell me what I can know. Like, mm -hmm. and, and when yeah. I say pay you, I don't mean voluntarily either. That means that that money just goes boop. Or else 87,000 agents come knocking for me now. Right? Um. <laughs> at least when you're uh at least when you're like paying your your tithe or whatever it is it's voluntary you know or it that may seem compulsory with all those old people staring at you you gotta throw a few bucks in the plate or whatever but it, you know it's it's uh you opted into the building you did so uh <laughs> but no no, no no tax is definitely not voluntary Definitely not. And never used for what they're supposed to be used for. That's the yeah. other thing, too. If anybody ever used money that they didn't earn for what it was supposed to go for, we'd probably be in a little bit better shape. But you, if you get other people's money, you tend to spend it pretty recklessly, especially if you got guys with guns that can go around and get more anytime you want. Yeah. Have we ever remember they a politician because they sent us to war? Have we ever recalled a politician out of office for sending us to war when that wasn't our will that ever happened in this country? Somebody fill me in on that. Just remember that they killed Bill Cooper's ass. And that was the uh, excuse was because he questioned whether the income tax was legal and where that was. And they couldn't answer it. And they let they made it so he couldn't leave his property even and had to send his wife and child out of the country. Well, if voting is a contract then I should be able to renege on that contract if th there's a violation of that contract. If I contract somebody to serve me and they turn around and tell me, no, I'm, I'm about to fuck you over, 
then I should be able to remove myself from that contract. I mean, Pasta, you understand business, right? <laughs> if you entered into a contract with somebody and they they violate the terms of that contract, then you should be able to remove yourself from that contract if it's voluntary, right? But what happens when we do remove ourselves from the contract? We're the ones who usually pay the price and walk away empty-handed. That's the problem. Yeah. It's, it's holding them accountable to that contract is what I'd like to do. Just like I'd like to hold these politicians to account for their fucking mistakes and stuff like that. The the way that I look at it at this point is that I never agreed to participate in the first place. Yep. It was compulsory service according to another set uh, of rules that I never agreed to or voted on in the first place. It's my obligation to serve that machine is exactly fuck all. And, and when forced to, when forced to, depending on the situation, happily play along, you know? And sometimes I will unhappily play along. But for the most part, that's just to secure the ability to continue doing things a different way. Well, Jimi Hendrix said, it's my, it's my, when it's my turn to die, you know, like when it comes to like machine gun, <laughs> have you ever listened to that old song? But it's just like, it's, it's my decision when it's my turn to die. I never fault anybody for not wanting to die on a particular hill. You know, like whenever you go out and you want to, you know, fight something like the, somebody like Bill Cooper, maybe fighting in a shootout with the FBI or whoever it was that came to kill him. Like that's a, that's a hell of a deal. A, a deal. <laughs> that was what, that was the excuse on. they used. They wanted to kill him for many reasons, but that was the official excuse. Yeah. So, but uh, you know, I don't fault people for want, not wanting that kind of smoke in their lives, you know, for wanting to get along, to go along with whoever they select for us in the next election and whatever kind of political environment that we're thrust into. And I'm sure we'll still be commenting on it. I'm sure that we'll be breaking it down for our audiences and trying to show them the holes in the narrative that they present us on both fucking sides and all sides, not just one or two, but many <laughs> just like dimensions and CERN and all that <laughs> and marmots, lots of marmots, <laughs> right? Shout because, out to the marmosist. Well, isn't that isn't that as you uh, quoted? Isn't that what set the uh, the rip in the space time continuum? Was the marmot itself? I look. If you can disprove it, see, I'll I'll be willing to accept that. But we all know that you can't. Prove no it. one look. gives this shit about the fucking marmot, man. Uh, it, <laughs> Man, it started out being like a nice little like, you know, piece of actual history combined with a running joke. And and as we get further and further into it, it it's becoming more and more like, oh, fuck, I guess, huh? You know, maybe. it's your Eddie. It's your, you guys are Iron Maiden and the Marmot is your Eddie now. It's okay. Dude, like, we had Fiorella running around. Moscow studios and RT telling people about the marmot, and I can just imagine them like speaking in. in I want people Russian, to dress like, up as, as the, the marmot at shows. Like the, the I want to be at a hardcore punk show, and I want somebody frontwards somersaulting God. into the crowd in a fucking marmot costume. Angela, can <laughs> we get an Eddie marmot drawing? Yes. Eddie oh, marmot, oh, an Eddie marmot drawing. Oh my Absolutely. God, that's I'm epic as fuck. That on a shirt immediately that goes directly to Ryan at Big Did you Frog. put the Looney Tunes writing in the Marmot one? I haven't had a chance yet, dude. As soon as I, I get that, I want that shirt. fucking ragged right now. It, it's stressful. Um, so Eddie Marmot, folks, be on the lookout. Um, oh. AM Wake Up merch. My heart. Right. My heart. 
Can um, people get that beautiful cap that you're wearing, sir? Yes, sir. Yeah, there's in the, the description of every video, the merch store uh, is listed. Got a handful of design, including Bill Cooper on a pale horse, by the way. Hell yeah. Right. Yeah, you very, showed me that last week. It very was awesome. niche shirt, but uh, it, yes. Um, but popular, but popular uh, because we got those folks a bit. Um, but yeah, those that's Big Frog Clothing out of Beaverton, Oregon. They're lovely people. Um, and then, yeah, and, and really just quickly, if I, if I could shout out, I think to Greg Walker, who threw the super Ray earlier, uh, it says today's shows a lot like Kevin Spacey. Some of your takes are usually suspect. Great weekend fans. Thank you, Greg. <laughs> uh, awesome, and Chris Youngblood says happy Friday and great show. Steve, I hear you say there's too many speakers. I didn't say too many. I said a lot, uh, too many speakers at rebels for a cause. You possibly could be just like the who at Woodstock. Going at 3 a.m., but I don't recommend pasta, pull a Townsend windmill jump. See you in Nashville. Right on. Um, I, if we get if we get it right, we get it right. I bet pasta could do a mean windmill. We could. We could. And I will. I We curl it up a little bit and I do some Roger Daltrey screaming into a, a you know, Got to warm up the rotators, you know. Got to do right. take little yeah. dumbbells, just do a little. Yeah, like do that. the helicopter yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys for the super raise. We do a value for value show. It's always put out. It's always you know accessible for free. Don't put hide any content. No subscriptions. No ads. No ad reads. Um, all all of the all of the links to all of the stuff that anyone would ever need for the show are in the description to the show. Um, including an email address if you have anything you want to throw at us, the clips, whatever. There's a Shelly Olmstead at Gmail or Shelly at amwakeupshow.com has the clip channels, um, all that kind of good stuff. Rebels with a Cause event link. That's there. Uh, the Nashville event coming up, coming up. It's about three weeks away now. Heck yeah. Nashville is such a beautiful city, man. Like a uh, great barbecue. Shout out to the barbecue. I'm a big fan of that. It's good. It's good. I wouldn't say it's the best, but uh, it's good. Yeah. yeah pretty good. Yeah. And I got to say that the, the design of the, the clubs and the other places there too. I love the one spot I visited down there where it had a rooftop and uh, you went out on the rooftop. You can see that eye of Sauron that's over the, over the city. <laughs> Really? That crazy fucking building. <laughs> Where's really? that at? Nashville. Downtown Nashville. Yeah, broad. There's on an Broadway. eye of Siren. There's it's a huge. Basically. Yeah, like if you look up, especially from the vantage point that we were at, like I was, I was up on this rooftop bars when I was still drinking, so I had a few IPAs in me. But I looked up and I'm just like, that's the fucking eye of Siren there. It's basically the tower, right? And it, it's missing the eye in the middle. But if you just imagine the eye being there or just you know appearing. Um, it totally makes sense. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> it's just a really imposing tower with like two like points on it up into the sky. So yeah, but yeah, Nashville, beautiful, clean, really clean for a drinking part of town. I got to say, I've stumbled through a lot of mess, <laughs> a lot of other places I've visited. Well, they put the, yeah, they're out there every morning at like five. They're oh, not yeah. fucking around. They, they got a party. legit cleanup crew there. Yeah. Yeah, Santa Cruz the same way. They do oh. that. Yeah. And, and uh Santa I saw Cruz. what you just dropped in the chat here. I'm gonna pull this up in a second here. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you're saying Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz has like a whole morning cleanup routine and it takes like, I mean, you know, takes a couple hours uh, and it's pretty freaking, you can get pretty nasty after a night out. All right. So that's right even without that like. <laughs> evil yeah. buildings, folks. Evil buildings. I love it. There. This is uh, from Pinterest and this will be on this week's source list on uh, Substack. But yeah, here it is, Pasta. That's the ISR on right there. There's the tower, and then you just imagine that big glowing eye <laughs> right there, man. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> and if you go, if you just Google image search it, there's a whole bunch of, of mashups with the eye, you know, overlaid on top of it. Oh, yeah, hilarious. You know that AT&T, <laughs> reach out and touch someone. Oh yeah. Well, that's a, that's a hell of a conglomerate that goes way back into communication and everything in the military industrial complex, doesn't it? Whoo, that's a whole special oh, yeah. in itself. Yeah. yeah. My bell has been up to some shit for a long time. <laughs> Par party lines. Think about that. Just hey, people Steve. listening, just like the NSA. Steve, yeah. <laughs> Steve, you had like an interesting thing with Alex Jones and Patrice O'Neill. I remember yeah. the day that that aired that was, um, that was kind of like Patrice's coming out as a full fledged, like conspiracy guy. I remember that. Cause like they would give him crap on O and a about having theories and all that. And that was his first time. I think that clip was of him fully just going out on to Alex Jones. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty sure this was the first appearance. He was on a couple of times and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and, Hitland, there's a guy with a freaking lawnmower like right behind me, so I'm mute too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I think what added to that too, though, is the government-run healthcare and, and all these other big moves. But I do think that is an element the to it. This person knows, Alex. That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm out here, and 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 I believe in the Bilderbergs. I believe in uh, the Bohemian Grove. I be I believe it all, but. The problem is I, I look at and don't take this wrong many you know listeners. I look at Hitler, okay, and and I go, why do if I'm a crazy guy and I go, I hate Jews, I want them all dead. Do you blame me as much as you blame the fifty thousand people that I convince to shoot Jews in the head in the middle of the street? I I don't like the people that go, Okay, I'll I'll just shoot people in the head. I've run into so many people who are willing to kill other people or kill themselves, really. They don't even know they're killing themselves on behalf of these, these the, the, the Illuminati, the CFR, the, these, these people who we look at it like they're evil. Yeah, we get they're evil, but you can't, don't help them. Don't help cut my head off and cut your head off. Oh, that's a good point. You know, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals has now ruled citizens can be secretly arrested People can be tortured. They don't need warrants. And this is all for the American people, regardless of what color you are. Right. But just like with Hitler, he sold it with an unpopular minority first. But really, it was for everybody. So these idiots that go along with this, they need to know that they're in the crosshairs as well. They just go along. I, did, I, I pay my electric bill every three, four months. I, I pay it when I get a threatening letter. I just forget. Uh, this time around, somebody came to my house to cut it off, and he goes, "Look, you gonna give me a, give me a check, or I'm gonna cut your electricity off." I go, "Look, man, 
I'm gonna pay it online or whatever. He's like, look, this is my job. I'm gonna cut it off. I go, what if I had somebody in here who could die without the electricity? You know what I mean? And he just did this. He just went, uh, uh, that's my job. I go, your job is to, you think that you love your family by killing my family. Like meaning I could, some could be happening. Nothing is, but I'm just on a, on a dramatic level. Cause then I got on the phone and the woman said, well, if your kid was on a respirator, we would tell you, you should have thought of that before you didn't pay your bill. And I go, are you serious? My bill was $800. Do you think people got $800 just to pay? You think everybody's trying to scam you? Your job is to hear me beg for my life. And you go, sorry, sir. So do you think that you could go home and love your family the way you think you love them if you could kill my family? Patrice, that's a key point you made. You're talking about the Nuremberg defense where these tens of thousands of Nazis said, hey, I was just following orders. And the court ruled, no, if you're doing something immoral or murderous or illegal, it doesn't matter if a tyrant's telling you it's okay. You just can't uh, abdicate all of your responsibility over to, I'm just doing my job. It just, it just, it, do it doesn't sit right to me. So, so as I've gotten into more and more, uh, you know, enlightenment about a lot of these things that these, these people at top, up top are doing, and I believe they're doing, the problem is, how do you communicate that? What What is, it's shocking to me if you say it to an average person that doesn't know how much they don't want to hear it. Full disclosure, there was no coordination between me and Steve about any of my previous statements uh, None. in this episode in that clip, nor the George Carlin one. How Steve about that started for off my uh, Patrice O'Neill uh, learning lessons of life in the wrong order, you know what I'm saying? The, the first shit I heard about Patrice, I was like, eh, you know, whatever, dude. Like, you know, the commonality of, you know, men are this and women are that. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I kind of don't fucking feel that way. You know, I I always heard that kind of the, the argument like, well, you know, women say they can live without men, but men build this and men build that. They, you know, you know, well, where would they ever be with if it wasn't for men putting a life on the line? I'm like, if it was just a planet full of fucking women's, they would figure it out. Say the same way if it was a planet full of men. We have different analogy, different whatever. I, I, I've always kind of felt that way. Like these are like just straw man arguments. Shit, I don't want to talk about. I don't care. But the more and more I hear Patrice now in these other moments, man, I'm like, holy shit, this guy is just fucking fire. Like one of the clips that Steve played me not too long ago was him on Fox uh, about the pirate eye one, and you know it was like, yeah. whole, I was like, holy shit. I mean, Patrice is making some amazing points here. So. This the is just genius again, to too, be, as well. Yeah, and Steve, to you've got to compartmentalize better and, you know, start me off in the right way, not the wrong way. I, I take back anything negatively I've ever said about a Patrice O'Neill. The dude is fucking awesome. Okay, so so you're you're saying that you you have to be you have to be walked into. I played. Hundreds of hours, Patrice on Owen. Once again, the way you started the, the the order that you played them, you, you know, I had a wrong feeling about Patrice that I don't, you know, what I'm saying. Oh well, see, the thing is, they make this neat thing called the internet, where you could go on your own time and type in his name and see if there's anything that he didn't talk about. See, now you're gonna just throw that shit out there. You know, when we're hanging out in the living room or the dining room, whatever you play, I listen to. I don't ever tell you what to play. I just, you know, when it comes to music, you're in charge. I'm right there. Well, so you, there, there is some form of like you know uh you know what's the word um you manic responsibility to make sure that i'm started off on the right patrice o'neill foot 
Well, it's tough, wrong though. Uh, to, to, I mean, maybe to be you fair. need to learn a couple of lessons about women, too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. Maybe look, look, the longer the longer that you listen to the jokes, the 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 funnier the jokes get because the more applicable the jokes become. I would like to, if I could, and I'm sorry to uh to throw a late uh, addition and or uh rebuttal, as it were, into this. However, um, let's see. I do Pastor, feel... Are you okay with Bill Hicks? Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, I was going to say, I do the things that hate. I love, I hate at first. Like, it, uh, I, I love the band Meshuga. The first time I heard them, I was like, this is too fucking insane for me. I can't handle this. Like, I had to turn it off. So maybe, like, by you sort of not enjoying Patrice when you first heard him, it's like maybe it was like one of those white man can't jump things. You couldn't hear Jimmy yet. Maybe you, you know, but now Jimmy. you can hear Jimmy. Now you can dunk, bro. Now you maybe. can dunk. And, and just if we could, real because it's very short, a brief rebuttal Absolutely. by by Patrice O'Neill on this exact subject. Please. Uh yeah. So where's my magic little there it is? Oh, you fucking with your volume. Have a vagina. Like, say it was a terrible train accident, right? And the doctor was like, we have to remove your pussy right away. Or you're going to die. How would you keep your man past? You get a two-month guilty, I can't leave the bitch right away because you just lost a pussy in a train accident. Wow. Nothing. You can talk. You can talk. Suck his dick. Okay. Mouth. Asshole. Okay. Great. You see what I'm saying? You just classified yourself as a series of holes, but, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to teach you special, but you're just a bunch of holes for yourself. No one said learn how to play Xbox, learn how to play pool, tell better stories, get another bitch that got a pussy to come on in. Well, look, whatever. They even had the banana with the fudge on it. <laughs> That's a great little clip. I oh enjoy that. I want that as a t-shirt. Anyway. <laughs> And look, it's at the end of the day. It is just jokes, and 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 I do I, I love and respect women very very much. Make that perfectly clear. Um, but with yeah, Patrice, you can tell he had an in, he had an internal dialogue. I talk about it a lot on the show, like just like when I'm wandering around my house, or I'm out for a walk, or I'm out just driving around. I'm having that conversation with myself: is why is this happening? Why is this going on? When I hear something from all the different media sources that I aggregate from, um, one of those being uh, shout out to T-Lav. I know you guys do the T-Lav Tuesdays together. Um, Ryan was the reason why I started listening to your guys' stuff because I found out about you through his audience. So yeah, that's that's how the, uh, this wonderful little world connects um, and being able to use material from somebody like uh, Whitney Webb to show on these things, to find other people that are out there trying to produce independent um, investigative media, uh, especially when, it, because we have no roots, we have no claws into the system itself to feed us these stories. 
Um, we'll work with whistleblowers. We'll work with people that want to, uh, you know, call some people out. But whenever it comes down to it, like we don't have boots on the ground whenever it comes to investigative stuff. Like what we do is that we take what's being presented to us in the narrative and we pick it apart and shit on it. But, you know, uh, the people that are out there doing real boots on the ground work are amazing. Like I, I love straight news people. That's why I'm a big fan of David Knight. And that's why I'm a big fan of uh, Ryan from TLAV. I love the way he comes across in his broadcasts, the way he shows all that information. That's why I do a source list on this show. So that's why I want people to be able to find all the articles that we brought up today and find out what the fuck we talked about. So it's not just, well, I heard this guy on a podcast say it. Like, no, now you have a little, little bit more of a lead to where this story came from and why it's happening. Yeah, Pasta, you're muted, man. I, I got to send Ryan a fruit basket or two. I do. I, I really, yeah. That's that's a really naughty photo. <laughs> About 20 minutes ago in the middle of the stream, uh, I just got texts from a, a friend of mine that I lost. Uh, someone in our lives passed away. <clears throat> and... Um, my condolences brother yeah. no i know it's um i really just you know analyze and thinking about what i'm doing today like this is a special day right we're doing a, a stream together and yeah you know you just start thinking about people and who come across your lives when they were across your lives and this particular gentleman my uncle mitch we called him uncle mitch um you know he was he was a person that was there for me helped me out when i didn't even know what the fuck i was doing on this planet <laughs> you know um and he passed um, Steve, do you remember when I made the phone call early in the morning to Steve from the newspaper? The guy who worked there—that was his brother who just passed away. That was okay. a relationship. And so, to you, okay. sir, and everybody out there, yeah. cheers, to Uncle Mitch. Yeah, cheers, Uncle yeah. Mitch. You know, life is a gift. Life is precious, and we can never forget that. So, throughout all the crap and everything that we're dealing with every day, every time, every day, we yeah. do need to find that 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 beauty in what we're doing and understand that it is it is a gift, and we should embrace it sometimes. So. Just a lot of emotions going through because, like, you know, now I'm getting texts about the funeral and all this other stuff. So sorry to kind of throw that monkey wrench in the thing, but I just thought it was something that I needed to share because it was oh, just Cole, kind of an interesting moment, an interesting yeah. show. So, but that's yeah. real life, brother. It I mean, is. That's, that's it the is. thing that uh, I, I appreciate about shows like yours and others is that you guys bring a real audience that gives a shit about these topics. Um, there's, there's genuine discussion. Um, and also, like, when people get personal with it, and tell their stories like Chris Graves, you can attest to this too. How many people do we know, especially through our friends at Knights of the Storm, that just like it's like a giant crew now, you know, between harps and finding Tom and just making all these different connections. Like in the past, it's been less than a year. And we have a whole crew of people that like if something happens to them, like the 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 community generally reaches out and wants to do something for people. Like yeah. that, that's that's lifted me up past couple months man i gotta tell you like life sucks fucking sometimes it yeah. just does you know having a community of people around you there's nothing wrong with that like I, I i encourage people to be individuals and to be critical thinkers and to be as independent in your mind body and spirit as you can be but we do need other people like yeah. we, we there's no person that should live in complete solitude that's it's actually pretty bad for you no man's an island uh, yeah i was uncle mitch Uncle Sorry. Mitch, I wasn't I wasn't screen watching a lot today, but, you know, when we were talking about something before I got the news about Uncle Mitch, um, somebody in our uh, rumble chat said, I'm here because it's not scripted. Yeah, Vicky Lynn put it out there, Steve. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Becky Lynn, there's just somebody in. And then I was just like, wow. And then I think about Patrice and I think about that old saying that, you know, uh, you're depressed when you're thinking too much about the past. You're you have too much anxiety if you're concentrated too much in the future. You're only at peace when you're living in the present. And I think that's for me more than anything that Patrice O'Neill has done for me. Oh, this whole experience that sounds like alan watts to me like when you talk yeah. about philosophy that's why like you, i think it is alan put, watts yeah. yeah people shouldn't put people like uh patrice or any of one of us in a box like just because yeah. you're coming at it from a comedic perspective like that's a psychological tactic man like there is nothing deeper than somebody can show to show that they can manipulate you by making you piss your pants laughing yeah and boy i love doing that amongst friends you know so bro I got to tell you, the the only way that I can process any of this shit for like 25 years Same here. is by trying to find the funny in it. Yeah, you, know? you have to. You have and to. And the absurdity of it. Yep. Yeah, because it is. Yes. It is absurd. And you can reflect it back to them. Yes. You could parrot it back to them like a bird does. Like, I heard your call, bitch. Here's my interpretation of how stupid you're being. The passport survived the fireballs yeah. in the World yeah. Trade Center. The passport. And how silly really? we act. Yeah, we we are mirrored. We mirror. We emulate one another, like psychologically. Like what what Patrice was describing as far as like labeling theory, by putting people in boxes. Like, oh, you're a this, or you're a hole, or you're not a hole, or you you fall into this category. The way that they decide that you even have depression is that they hand you a box and tell you to put check marks in it, and then you go on the sauce. Right. That's the way you get your dick cut off nowadays, too. You know, and that's unfortunate as well. It's just like the same psychological bent, the same angle, the same process of industry is to put you on pharmacological drugs and have you mutilate yourself for profit. Lots and lots and lots of profit. Yes. To be perfectly clear for I mean, that's just that's not like, you know, at the the drive through chop shop that that's with all of the treatments and all everything that stems from you know go afterwards remember there's no money in a cure if they could do one and call it if they could get the rights for it and call it gone in 60 seconds they would folks <laughs> you just pull in like it's fucking wendy's and just like before they could forget to put the mustard on your hamburger gone you would have that Nicolas Cage would come out and he would like he would get out of one of the cars as Nick Cage. And then by the time the camera got back to him, it would be uh, who was that? Was that um, what? Who the fucking blonde in that movie? Well, Which movie? Nick Cage, too, because he owes a Gone lot of in taxes. 60 seconds. Yeah. The the chick no in the I don't know, whatever, dude. But yeah, he'd turn into her. Pam Anderson. The commercial. Go. Was yeah. it? No, I don't believe. Okay, it was sure. Anderson. Let's say it was for Good shits boy. and giggles. That yeah. was Bob Wire, bro. No, wasn't it, uh, <laughs> right. wasn't it Billy Bob's ex? Wasn't it? Um, oh, oh, Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Because the hair, the hair for a second threw me off because I don't associate her with the blonde hair as much. So, just had to go back into the deep, deep memory recall section region right. of that. Did you have a good show today? Awesome show, man. What'd you guys talk about? Gone in 60 seconds? You missed it. (laughs) Excellent. It's a three-hour show. Women's whole three-hour show. (laughs) If your impression of the show is based on any particular 30 seconds to three minutes, you're doing it wrong. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, that's the thing about having a long format. Weird sometimes. You guys do a long format regularly. 
you know, and, and I think that that helps aid like the people's connection with you because they get to see what kind of a person that you are through conversation, not just like, oh, hello, I'm here to present to you this thought that you're supposed to think today. You know, <laughs> like it's not like that at all with you guys, you know, so it's a hangout, you know, it's, I can't it's do it part about it. Yeah, I can't. What? I did. It doesn't feel authentic to me. It does like. We talked about Opie and Anthony earlier, but that was like the most most authentic fucking radio on the planet ever. Groundbreaking. Ever. Yeah. They went for like four hours every day. Yep. And and then went for another three or four hours with the serious show. They too. would do that for a while too. They'd do terrestrial in the morning and then they would go literally be filmed walking across the street and they were still broadcasting. Comedy is deconstruction. Like they, yeah. they would point out Opie and Anthony were able to point out a cultural bias for anything, right? You just pull well, a cultural thing that people do, and we're gonna take it apart and shit on it and show you how we do that. And you you said something earlier to the effect of like, how do you how do you you know communicate to this culture or you change this culture or something like that? And I don't think you can. Yeah. I don't think you can. I think you have to create an alternative and that that alternative has to be viable. Build because your own scene. the people that are culture vultures, yeah. they're not going to, to fly away until you give them somewhere else to land. Right. And, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't even have that. I, I want to make it. I try to make it perfectly. I don't have everything figured out. These are the fucking worlds of shit that I don't know. And I would like to learn and I'm trying to learn, you know, little bits and pieces here and there is like, Oh, did, but so I'm at no point saying I've got it figured out and just follow me. You know, uh, anyone no. that claims to uh, you probably shouldn't believe. You should probably walk <laughs> ever. as far away from them as possible. Yeah, ever. But, but I do know that our ability to make our own decisions and any autonomy or liberty that we have going forward, our chances to secure that are shrinking pretty rapidly over, you know, a lifetime. Yeah. A lifetime. Not even mine, just a lifetime. And, and that there's multiple people that have taken multiple steps to to get a head start on it there's a world of information out there to learn for people who want to do it yeah. and this is this city living too man you could you can make shit work you really can there's a lot you know you probably event you know at least up front would have it off a little bit better short term in terms of you know uh ability to communicate and to rapidly distribute goods and services and shit like that you know what do you uh, think, Six? We would well, uh, wrap up the show right there on that that lesson learned. That uh, here we go, little piece of life. Maybe we should do a little wind down and start thanking our producers and all that other stuff. Is that? Oh uh, yeah, no, that sounds like a great idea. End on a really great note, right there. Good job, Steve. Thank you, brother. Oh, thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. And and I think a lot of it, um, you know, for me, just to put my final thoughts in on this episode is that, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of other people that have come before us that have really done a lot of research and paved the way into allowing us to access this information. So that all of those that came before us that had a had an opportunity to go into libraries and do deep digging and 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 dives into books and and encyclopedias of things and medical records and whatever else that gave us this ability to question these things, to teach us these, these patterns. We all arrive at these logical conclusions. If you follow the logic, if you think it through in your internal dialogue and the, the conversation that you have with yourself every day, 
If you're out for a walk thinking about these things and listening to shows like this, which I hope you are, um, I want you to take that and I want you to weaponize your passions. Take what you do well and apply it in art in an artistic but logical way to do good in your life, especially if you can do it for the people around you, because then you can demonstrate that it works and then make a culture out of that. But I'll pass it on to the rest of you guys. Thank you. Well, shit. Um, I guess I'll 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 wind down thanking the folks who who threw a little bit of love our way during the show. Um, there were a couple people over on the Rumble, which is uh, ultra rare and super nice, and we love you guys. Kate Enza, thank you very much. Happy Friday, awesome show, everyone. The late great Ronnie James Dio also said, "The world is full of kings and queens. Somebody finish it." No, who blind your eyes and steal your dreams. All right. I was just going to say that, but uh, yeah, I was too slow. Ah. Uh, were nah. you going to do it in Dio voice? Because I'll, I'll, I'll hold off for that. No, I, the moment's, is, the moment's ah, passed. Okay. Yes. And then Psychic Shaman, thank you very much. Awesome week, guys. Keep up the good work. You guys rock. Appreciate you. Over on the rack, Finn. Uh, Chris Leon says, if you find gentlemen... Seeing the video, Vorio Cookie Brie Gray and Rich Upper West Side Martini sipping Katie Halper bitching about the blowback they got from Wedding Gate. I have no idea what the fuck that means. Um, LOL, you guys may not care, but I'm a gossipy little B. Much love from LA. Do you know what the fuck is? That sounds like something that belongs in a burn book from that one movie. <laughs> Grace, <laughs> Mean Girls. Yeah. What is like, uh that, I mean there's uh, no there's no scandal gate. that goes <laughs> I don't I've never heard of wedding gate and uh okay. I kind of feel good that that's the case. I, I mean right, I do love it. a good scandal, so I'm right. down to here, but yeah, right not heard of it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> not on my radar. But. Pasta. <laughs> do you have any knowledge of this situation? Of wedding no. gate? <laughs> None. <laughs> None. 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 I was like, yeah, he's yeah. It's a lot of stuff going on today. I mean, does it involve bridesmaids' dresses? Because those are always fucked. I mean, right? always, maybe I mean, we get a maybe we get a follow up <laughs> with the know. whole yeah yeah that whole thing. Like with you know, there was a wedding over the last weekend, and a lot of people attended and rejoy and all those people. And yeah, I mean, just distractions. I, I, you know, yeah. look, was there like a fight or something, or like was the fucking not that I was aware of? I just saw a bunch of people a with pictures chair together. dance go awry. No, I, I just it was a picture altogether with like a lot of the people that I think that have like you know people who have fed into the culture wars and the diversity that, that, oh. that you know keeping oh. us separated. Oh, My oh, person, okay, well, I, I think did, yeah. you know, just distractions. It is, it is. So it's you know. Well, um, by the way, though, Chris Leon, I promise you, if that's the case and it's like a, a you know, quasi celebrity level gossip thing, there's a guaranteed fucking 80 shows that have covered it in detail. Yeah. And they all probably make more money than this one. <laughs> Perfectly honest with you. So I do appreciate the Super Ray very there much. There were a bunch of Thank people you. out there who made videos, who talked about it, and like, and and they were the the, the point that a See, lot of people you were do. trying to I, make. Okay. 
Well, the point people were trying to make is that this is access journalism, that the fact that they have kind of promoted Marianne Williamson and pretty much recruited her to run is unethical because now they'll have access to her. Well, here's what I say. Marianne Williamson every single day has less and less influence on anybody. She's no she's not even and I don't give a shit about candidate or not and stuff like that. She's not even a serious person that I would listen to anymore after hearing her open her mouth. And, you know, a lot of those people who are, you know, who are there following or there to they're losing pretty much a lot of following people because like i said they feed into the whole diversity narrative and you know keeping people divided and whatnot so uh, that's why i didn't pay much attention to it that's why i kind of laughed it off and you know it's you know people who have less influence every day are just you know they made their bed they can sleep in it i got other important conversations to have and those are over arenas like this and you know other than wanted and all the other people and you know my work and what i have to do so you know I'm not going to be distracted by pretty much what you're saying. It's distracting. Hmm. And I'd say that the people that are serving those uh, uh, candidates, it's it's a job. It's just the, the job that you do until you get to run another candidate's bigger platform next time. And that's how you get into the business of, of, of selling the American people on this notion that, the, that they have any say in elections <laughs> well it, it's just a whole candidate thing like you know it's one thing when you just try to get behind a candidate to lift them up and push them forward you know i'm intrigued by what rfk is doing right now but when i get a microphone in front of him i want to talk about the things i strongly disagree with him about and i want him to explain those things well you That's get into murky waters there morally when it comes to being a media and... figure you know because yeah. media figure you have an inherent influence in that and and like something that a connection that you have with the audience and and mm -hmm. graves learned this lesson if you continuously put over somebody like rfk or anybody like that you you will be challenged by people that are around you if they care that what you're saying is objective so it just it gets into some murky territory when you start to favor somebody in, in the media because everybody's going to suspect that oh you're just doing this for this person that you're just saying this because you like this guy and that's very simpleton type of thinking but that also gets over unfortunately yeah. on a lot of people <laughs> Oh, you just Friend, like that friendly guy. reminder <laughs> that AM wake up has a zero candidate rule. Yeah. And, and always, always has. Chris Graves does now too. RFK Jr. I, I look up to some, some of the stuff that, you know, his uncle and his father, you know, cause just with the research over the years and, and things like that. But I had to pull myself back from that. And I, I know it's a selection process, not an election process. So, I'm not going to allow myself to get into that quicksand again. So I agree with you. Zero is zero. I don't. I, I just appreciate to... the conversations that are brought to the table more yeah. than anything. And, and unfortunately, it does suck that we, every everybody pays attention to these things once every four years and stuff. You yeah. know? But, you know, if certain things are not going to be said by certain candidates or whatever, or their ideologies, once again, just may, meant to lead, lead you into a certain area, like we talk about. Marianne Williamson. And if you haven't seen Marianne Williamson in the room with a bunch of people and white people, and then it's a, like a prayer to ask yeah. black people for forgiveness for what their ancestors have done. Yeah. You know, a bunch of white people have their hand on the black man, and they're like, I mean, it's just like, holy shit, what is Wait, this? Wait, hang on. They play Lay the Hands on the Negro? Yeah. They do? Lay the How hands fucking on. offensive yeah, and then ask for is that to everybody else in the room? How offensive is it to the black guy who gets, like, wheeled in for that? 
yeah. wheeled in. Yeah. yeah. And I think in. all minorities should be represented. Like, what That's about like Swedish crazy. death metal people? Like, shouldn't they not play like Watane and rip Tucky. apart a goat at this ceremony too? Mayhem. The Duchess yeah. scum, Tucky. Yeah, like all I want all cultures to be represented. Yeah. You know? But if we're not rocking out to some Gorgoroth, yeah. yes, <laughs> that not. that is something you'll probably you know you I, I I would probably it'd be a fair it'd be an easy bet to collect to see pasta in a room at an RKFK rally or whatever, uh, asking him questions. So I, you know, unfortunately, I think that's the battlefield we're on, and yeah. I'm going to do my best. And if those if those inf- if that if those conversations are brought to the table that would have never been brought to the table before, I'm going to I'm going to take my, you know, what I'm saying. But once again, understanding everything in a nuanced manner that I'm not putting my life or my livelihood in RFK's hand to make it better. He's I'm just not, a guy. But just you know, another if, guy. Yeah. If and I will give a shout out to Eric one, Jackman, who did a great interview with RFK recently. And that's somebody that's been mine, great Eric Jackman. Yeah. Jackman brother. And devours Eric Jackman. Yeah. That's a fucking Trump impression you'll ever hear, folks. Best Hands down. Alex Jones, too. Mike does a better uh, AJ than Eric, though. Oh, Eric. Yeah, Eric and Mike. Mike also does a great Rand Paul. It's yes, a very good Rand Paul. It's a very, very good Rand Paul. But yeah, I know those yeah. guys are cool, and they got to be in the room with RFK Jr. The only thing is the green agenda stuff, you know, the people that stuff that people would come at me with, you know, like what, you know, how can you be behind him if he, he doesn't talk about it? And that kind of made me like pull back and just, you know, that, see what, some see dark shit there too. The NGOs, yeah. like you're supposed to be fighting against the Rothschilds and the. Yeah. And, and and the uh, Rockefellers, and yet you're getting funding through those same as you know same right. type of NGOs and people for your green work. You know what I'm saying? So there there's a lot of questions to be asked there too as well. His Russia gating stance, his anti weed stance. We got to see where he is on all these things right now. Uh, even he made a comment about immigrants that coming on, you know, about them coming to the border and all that shit. Like nobody seems to want to talk about the causation of migration to this border. And it just drives me fucking crazy. You know, right. it's. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, uh, but I wanted to ask the two of you real quick. Um, you, you guys, uh, you, for the people listening out there that are, you know, into the new prisoners and everything, please share these folks, uh, these two guys. Um, Wow, I can't speak. Please share their 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 content. You know, just like with ours, like it. It's good to cross pollinate or whatever. I'm not coming through clearly at all, but just like share. You know, AM wake up your individual shows and everything. And these guys are really solid. Really yes, cool. Chris, support the sure. DIY media. That's well. Yeah, you, know, you guys all have other projects too. Go check the the their stuff out. I do quickly have to play our uh dementia memory recall game <laughs> yeah i'm like huh? <laughs> i have to run i have a 105 appointment with the uh with some people so i do have okay. to jump off real quick and stuff gentlemen right. uh, and the lady who is no longer here thank you so much for a lovely evening friday and i'll speak to you guys all soon hey yeah, so cheers much, to uncle mitch i yep. will thank you guys thank you, it's awesome. cheers, uncle mitch see you post um so it, it's been proven that uh, that music can help bring uh, people who are experiencing cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, dementia, stuff like that, uh, into or back to 
um, much, much more cognition because the music allows them to access memories that are associated with the music. So uh, did we do this when you were on, Chris? Nutshell and Wood by Allison Chains. That's yep. right. That's right. That's right. Mm. So uh, so six. Um, let's say, God, God forbid, you're in the old podcaster's home. You have yourself a case of the Joe Bidens. All right. Oh boy. Worst case scenario. It, it, off the top of your head, you don't have to think about it too hard. Nothing like that. It doesn't have to be anything like what just and it doesn't have to be any particular kind of just any music that you can think of that would that would bring you back to more cognition and allow you to access you know memories from the the era associated with that that music oh well it, there's two very different eras that i could go back to as far as influence musically the earliest if i wanted to go back into my more childhood uh, like time and access those memories would be a song called chest fever by the band it has an incredible organ intro uh, done by, I believe it was Garth Hudson. Um, and then it comes in with a classic Lee Von Helm beat. So just amazing fucking song. Um, but then if you wanted to catch me in uh, my later years, uh, especially when I got into metal music and started hanging out with a completely different crew, like my good friend, John Henry, uh, play for me uh, New Millennium Cyanide Christ by Meshuggah because um that will make a dead person headbang like that <laughs> breakdown like i want to i want to smash shit i want to throw weights in the ceiling i don't know if you ever seen cheech and chong where he does the space coke and he flies through the ceiling that breakdown will make you do that shit that and the new travel one off of ligature marks too off the latest record too unmutable uh that has a really good breakdown to it as well but yeah play that shit for me i'll, I'll snap right back like i'm here hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> Right on. We'll kick ass. Um, Have you ever had Meshuggah as an answer before, Steve? Uh, I don't think so. I have definitely had uh, uh, definite, like, fuck, brutal metal <laughs> as answers before, for sure. Uh, 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 yeah, it's, it's been, no, it's been the great thing about doing it. It's been completely varied, and there's all kinds of answers. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw uh, Pete Prada yesterday great, great interview. i did that but, hit home I mean, with me man that was such his, a great conversation his culture left him folks yeah. this is a person that was cast out by his cult, like judge dread style like get the fuck out of here like how many years of that man's life did he sit behind a kit like bleeding hands and everything in splinters the fucking and busting his ass running up and down roads trying to make money for his partners and business to turn around and say rather you become an experiment or fuck you get out how yeah, about, for the, how about for that? the band the offspring who's the drummer yeah. for the offspring yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. now that hits home with me brother now there's there's plenty of stuff that i saw go on and the music scene around me and just everything that i was a part of before covid and just yeah. like that fucking eye opener man like i, I just can't go back with some people like i just can't the fighters for me, i would yeah. never put yeah. trust in those types of people to make any decisions in my life again it made right. me respect like what independence that i do have in my life and there is, a, and I, we, a lot of us, we do live great lives of convenience and other things. Like we have an amazing abundance. Like I can go get food whenever the fuck I want to at this point. Like that, just that alone is that I am light years ahead of where I could have been if I just didn't hit the lottery by being born into this time in this place. Yeah. Like I realize that, but also that doesn't mean I can't take what I've been given 
and build something good of it. Yeah. Like what we do by making content, what people do by making music, especially in this audio form, the way that it has an effect on all of our brains and the way we emulate each other is that a hundred years from now, people might look back at shows like this and say, this is what people were, this is what people like us were thinking back then. Yeah. That's an amazing thing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. crazy. It is. It's pretty crazy when you think about it. And when especially you think about how many hundreds of hours of actual content. Oh, there's so much of you out there, Steve. Like that's the thing. And how many guests <laughs> you know? But like you're you are gonna be a something that people will reference in the future because of that. Like I believe that that all of us that make these this large amount of content, especially in long format, like people are gonna be really be able to delve into our mindset even if we're fucking wrong and how good and how good of a thing is that, you know, for someone to be able to point out, okay, well like I'm, they're following the same logical path as us and maybe we stumbled somewhere and they can point it out and fix the problem. Again, going back to your problem solving analogy, you know, Steve. So, yeah. Yeah. So information Word. solves problems and we it's help true. make it. So it's true. But yeah, join the TMP crew folks um, like share, Follow us on as many platforms as you can find us on because, well, shit, when one goes down, <laughs> you know, multiple can go down. Oh, we've got all kinds of source. We call them technical gremlins here yeah. at PMP. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. They seem to fuck with us. Um, we have a lot of tech gremlins, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it makes it makes people suspicious sometimes. It really does. But um, and that's another part of the Internet of Things, too, that we've run in with a lot of this. Like it, it's it's great to be able to involved in these platforms, but also having independence, like having our own servers, having our own place where we can host um, our own Internet and our own place and our own ways of sharing information. Um, the next hundred years and the way that all this is going to be done, is going to really uh, rely heavily upon that. So cheers to anyone working on a solution there and get at us, too. I'd love to talk about that on the show some more yeah i like yeah. futurist oh, stuff real quick um i'll it's friday and i do a radio spot pretty much every friday on a show called the critical hour with garland nixon dr wilmer leon and dr jim cavanaugh so i'll be doing that today it'll tape in a little bit and air this evening for 4 30 pacific 7 7 30 eastern yeah. awesome and then Chris, you got some uh, shows coming up, man. You want to plug real quick? Yeah, uh, later on today, it might be me solo talking about adult video games or you know dirty Atari games like Eat 'Em and Beat 'Em or Beat 'Em and Eat 'Em rather. Or if my guest comes through and is able to do it, it'll be uh, Ron from New England, in which uh, I was just on his podcast, The Wicked Planet. So that'll be 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So we have a backup plan in case, you know, he's not able to do it right then and there. And also tomorrow, conspiring with Mr. Cooper, Tom Cooper and I will be talking to Chuck Ocelli from Ocelli.com, in which you can also get, get mad with Chris Graves. That's the show I was just mentioning that's on later today. And we're trying to, we're trying to see if a cult priestess will be able to join us uh, tomorrow. So that'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then on Sunday, Peter Seacosh and I will be doing Don't Take Our Word For It, the continuing John Lennon assassination. If 
phenomenon that we keep finding all these rabbit holes with that too. So a lot to come, come by and I need some energy. Yes. Uh, and I was going to say too, uh, uh, really shout out to you guys for doing such an awesome job this past week. Yeah. Uh, we started putting the um, shows that Chris just talked about, both the conspiring with Mr. Cooper and um, don't take our word for it with Peter Seacosh and Chris Graves. Both of those are now live streaming on all TMP live streaming platforms. So you'll find us on Rumble and Odyssey, and you can also watch them on Chris's Twitter too. So I'm still working on Kevin Smith for digging Chris Graves. He said he would come on. It's just a matter of getting him locked down for a day. So, well, I think we would all love to hear that conversation. I, I think I can attest for the whole audience that says we would love to hear that conversation. You and me both. Yes. AM wake up is awesome, by the way. Yes, it is. So you guys want to wrap on that? I can wrap on that. <laughs> AM wake up is awesome. Thank you guys uh, for being part of this with us. Um, yeah. This was a great combination, I think. And uh, somehow, Steve, you completely read my mind as to where I was going. Like, that yeah, was creepy. Just philosophically with this whole conversation, dude. You're so yeah. good at this. You're so good at this. I appreciate you. Hey, <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to quit you. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. This is what our, our friend Gar Goldsmith would refer you to. You told me a compliment. Can I build you a house? Absolutely. I would hire this carpenter any day, folks. A plus rating, five stars. Yeah, yeah. All right. So we'll wrap with that. But folks, be back here next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern time to about one ish. Um, and then uh, hopefully our good friend John Henry will be able to join us. He's been off the past few weeks with scheduling stuff, but uh, hopefully his big ass croaky voice will be back here on the uh, live stream with us soon. We miss him. Uh, shout out to Lisa for joining us right at the beginning there. Uh, she had to run because she had to go into a car trip with the family. My God. And uh, yeah, it's been years since I've done one of those. Woo, I can only imagine. And um, yeah, just want to give all the love to everybody and all the audiences that we've combined here today. Go cross-pollinate, jump over to each other's stuff, jump in the chat, start talking to each other, build networks, build communities, build friendships, join the crew, and we'll see you all soon. So uh, until we meet again and until we are free, we are the new prisoners. <laughs>